Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 259. It's a slightly different episode. This is uh, this is really a tribute to Bob Dylan, a happy birthday to Bob Dylan. Um, as you're listening to this, uh, Bob Dylan turned 80 this week, and I wanted to mark that in some way. And I thought, who better to talk to than uh, my friend Johnny Potts, who was a podcast guest way back on, I think, episode 31. Um, Johnny is an actor, a writer, a comedian, um, a good man to follow on Twitter. Um, Many things that he's done and been involved in, and I will include a link to that previous podcast where we talked about all of that stuff, even though that was recorded five years ago. Um, But here, I don't really talk to Johnny about himself, we talk about Bob Dylan. We get a little bit of Johnny's story about how he um, came to Dylan's music, but really we just have a big rambling chat about... um, key songs and albums and obviously we, we didn't even scratch the surface because how can you? There are several multi-hour long documentaries official and unofficial about this man. There are um, numerous column inches and in magazine articles being written every few months let alone on the subject of his 80th birthday. And there is a whole uh, library full of Dylan books and that's being added to two this month in, in you know, conjunction with the 80th birthday. There are, to my knowledge, four full-length new biographies or um, encyclopedias about the songs being released just this month and there are several, there'll be several more in the works. Uh, I've done my best to read s- several Dylan books, maybe a hundred, I'm not sure, um, but there are so many that I haven't got to. And uh, his music's been in my life uh, for, for longer than any other musician I've followed, really, uh, and more constantly. So, and, uh, and Johnny, I think I found a kindred soul uh, to discuss those sorts of things with. Johnny's knowledge on Dylan runs far deeper than mine, um, which is why I, I approached him to have this chat. So, uh, bear with us to uh, Straight White Guys, which seems to be the... the uh, the pod- podcast is our last refuge, so we do acknowledge that. Um, uh, but, you know, in a way, who better to talk about Bob Dylan than two straight white guys, perhaps? I don't know. Uh, we're Dylan fans. We hope you are. If you're not, I'll understand if you uh, skip this episode, uh, just as I will uh, skip you when I see you in the street next. Uh, another normal episode of Sweetman Podcast, if you can call it normal, we'll be back next week. But this week, it's about happy 80th birthday, Bob Dylan. I was thinking how it's, it is quite interesting though that there are these Dylan albums that are they're not like the absolute classics but they set up the, the new wave and, and, and Street Legal is actually well it's right in between as you say he's run out of juice there's not much left in the tank but it's it's also kind of the start of the Christian albums without technically being it yeah you know it's sort of it's, so it sort of links to that like tells you what's going to come you know only retrospectively but it tells you what's going to come next and oh mercy is a bit like that like it that's but that's the opposite he completely run yeah. out and then that's the start of a comeback well is it though i, so I feel I, like I, it is but it's i think oh mercy is a bit of a, a standalone yeah, yeah yeah because um also it's, it's oh mercy is the point at which he goes into the lower register you know he's starts going yeah crickets yes yeah. but then he does the two folky albums yeah and it's also he does the next lanoir album in 97 that he has the voice that he's pretty much stayed yeah. in um where you know leonard cohen just sort of turned it on one day and suddenly that was how he sang yeah you know? yeah yeah um but I think with, with, with Dylan, what he does is he occasionally needs time to 
regroup and he just clings on to another myth mm. he needs to find something else to give him that juice mm. so um after the motorcycle accident where he where he was real after he'd been really burning both ends of the candle yeah, constantly yeah. And i love that bit in no direction home where he acknowledges that he was out where no one else had been artistically yeah like that's when most musicians talk like that they're be, they're being yeah, very self-aggrandizing, <laughs> yeah. but that's him being honest. Yeah, you know, that, that's him recognizing the you know what he was actually doing, and after the motorcycle crash, the severity of which I think has been overstated. Yeah, um, but the but the impact of it was to have him slow down. Mm. You know, and the reason he says he was taking amphetamines in the mid sixties was to stay up to write the songs. Mm, mm, you know, mm. to just to, to do as much as he could, and it um, and he needed to retreat. You know, do write the basement tape stuff, do John Wesley Harding, and then sort of re-emerge in that sort of tentatively with New mm. Morning and stuff, and then it would just crash into the, those fantastic mid seventies records. But then he fails again. You know, it, it it just drops off for the first time in Street Legal, and then he needs a new myth. So there's the Christian stuff, mm. which fits in very well because when with the Christian stuff. Sorry, I just want to give her a little mm. little mm. little riff on the Christian you, you stuff. Go, you go where you want to go. Great. Um, with the um, it's it's weird that like with, when Trouble No More came out, they called it like the gospel era. I think mm. he wasn't Mahalia Jackson. No, it was closer to Pat Robertson. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, It was it was some fairly unpleasant stuff, and it's and it fits in with his sort of um, his Dylan's always been a very judgmental mm. guy. You know, idiot mm. wind and positively Fourth Street and all those sorts of things, mm. um, and then it turns into this. Uh, he turns into a fire and brimstone preacher. It's, you know, eschatological stuff. It's not, you know, mm. Jesus' children. And he needs that. And that and that keeps going into infidels. But don't you think um, that it's been marketed as the gospel stuff because it's a bit like, you know, people weren't buying comics so they called them graphic novels and they sounded, you know, it's just one of those moves, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. like gospel sounds better yeah. to, pe- to secular people, to people... Uninterested in Christian music because they think, oh, Mahalia Jackson's a great singer. Mm. Aretha Franklin did some gospel albums. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like and to be honest, there is some of that stuff on, yeah, on the on yeah, and the backing singers yeah, do yeah. do um, sing in that style. But, but you're not going to hear him as I did recently on yeah. that um, Dylan radio station, yeah. a, a bootleg of him talking about how Russia was going to invade America in the next two years, <laughs> and we're living in the end times, and yeah, yeah, all the rest of it, you know. Yeah. And refusing to play like a Rolling Stone. <laughs> well, let's 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 um set this up now that we've already gone in full swing. Let's set this up and go back to um a, a couple of things. First of all, you're returning to my podcast after five years. We talked in uh, yeah five and five years ago. You were episode number thirty one. And so now I think I'm episode two hundred and sixty or something like that. But I've asked, thank you. But I've asked you, <laughs> I've asked you round to talk Dylan. And I don't know, we don't know each other through Dylan, but it's definitely something that we've talked about often. Where you know, like we'll mm. share, send each other links and things, and 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 talk about Dylan. I doubt, I doubt that we've spent much time in each other's company without talking about that. That's it, yeah. So yeah. I can't remember when that happened, but that we're just obviously both, it's it's a thing we've both been into and when you meet people and you find out that stuff, stuff comes out and that's where we've been with it. So that's why I thought, oh, you're the person I want to talk to for, for Dylan's 80th birthday. Um, but tell me a little bit about 
how you know uh, as naff as it might be to set up tell me about how you were introduced to dylan i would love to Mm -hmm. um i remember the first time i heard dylan um i used to have a little clock radio that was sort of oblong shaped with a speaker at one end and i would listen to radio windy at night in wellington um and i remember a dj saying someone called me during the break and asked what i had for dinner and i said the answer is blowing in the wind and played Blown in the Wind, and I can remember hearing the voice, getting this sort of, the the the, the slipperiness of mm. the song, you know, what does it really mean? Mm-hmm. I remember getting images in my head of sort of amber waves of grain, and, and um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely the first time I heard, heard Dylan. Mm. Um, and most of the songs I remember from them were things like Downtown and yeah, stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, devil went down to Georgia. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I sort of knew that that was something very specific and different, and I was only like eight, nine. Mm. Um, and then I didn't hear him until I got really into the Beatles, and he just seemed like that sort of adjunct to that world. Mm. Um, so like, I better listen to Dylan now. And the very first Dylan stuff that I owned, I got given as presents. And what was coming out at that time was the Columbia 30th anniversary concert, uh, concert. Yeah. and bootleg series one to three yeah um and then i bought masterpieces um to sort of round it out and so the first time i heard like a rolling stone is john mellencamp doing it the second time i hear it is the one minute eight yeah. second thing the piano one the piano yeah. one on that and then i hear the visual masterpieces which is the mm. island white thing yeah, like, yeah. What, what's so great about this fucking song <laughs> where he gets drunk and repeats a line kind of yeah yeah uh, yeah so I, I i hadn't yeah and then yeah, I just I was t- totally on board from, well, I think from the bootleg series that was yeah. that was my sort of proper introduction. Uh, so we've got, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit but, uh, offline, but um, yeah, we similar kind of thing. Like, because for me, I can't remember the exact uh, situation, but I know that the first two things I knew by him were uh, albums that I had were masterpieces and bootleg series one to three, and I feel like if you boil it all down, mm-hmm. <laughs> those are you know if you have to leave your house with two Dylan records, those are two pretty good things to grab to this day you know like obviously you you move into loving specific albums but if you wanted to well if you wanted to introduce someone if you wanted a collection i think it's hard to go past masterpieces yeah weird and motley a collection of songs as that is yeah 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 and the sequencing like the 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 random you know random and then also like oh it tells a story he puts he puts uh i say he like one person put together um uh positively fourth street right next to can you please scroll out your window yeah but they're the same song essentially yeah 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 yeah. you know yeah and some and the the unreleased songs that are on there, uh, the str- version of like a yeah, yeah. A long time. strange strange um, choices. Big band version of George Jackson. Yeah, Rita May. Yeah, yeah. Very strange choices, but really cool because mm. it was a while as I was going through the catalogue, buying up these albums. Why can't I find these songs? You know, like, yeah, yeah. like oh, that's right. They're not. They are essentially ex- exclusive to that. Um, and I think probably I heard Infidels pretty early on because I certainly remember. I mean, I can remember being, you know, at the age of, I guess, uh, USA for Africa, Live Aid, that sort of stuff. And so somewhere around that, um, I mean, that's Empire Burlesque and, and Infidels. So mm. I feel like I knew Joker Man and what was the hit off Empire Burlesque? Uh, Someone's got tight Tight edge to the heart. Yeah. So I think I knew those as radio songs, like had heard them, had experienced them. Um 
and Infidels was definitely one of the first original albums, maybe the first album, mm. original album by him I owned. But then, yeah, it was all that weird stuff like Under the Red Sky and, yeah. you know... Um, the, the Infidels is a, uh, is, a, is, a, is a strange record. Yeah. Um, I listened to it last week, like I've told yeah. you. And it starts with Joker Man, which I think, if anything, has gone up in my estimation. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's same. like, it's, it's, it's up there with Watchtower. It's a top and, ten song. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fantastic. Maybe it's top five, but it's top ten, mm. yeah. And then it goes into Sweetheart Like You, which is a really good pop song. You know, yeah, and yeah. his vocal is great. His vocals are all over the place on that record. Yeah, yeah. He's really going for it. Um, but then, basically, the whole middle of the record mm. is 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 you know Christian type, but yes. not explicitly Christian. Yes. Often judgmental shit. Yeah, neighborhood I, bully. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the the tune of um, License to Kill. Yeah, but what man has invented his doom? His first step was t- touching the moon. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. What's your problem, man? <laughs> No? Yeah, um, but then it finishes, if not strongly, then nicely. I think. Yeah. Fall apart on me tonight. No, it's it's got it's the, it's got the corners thing yeah. that Springsteen yeah. talks about. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The pillars. The mm. yeah, yeah. Because I, I think in the last couple of years, I, um, I'm, I've revisited that album a bit, and I felt the same. But the middle of it is average, for want yeah. of a word. Like. Well, I, I and I is a fantastic song. Yeah, that's really strong. Um, and but Neighbourhood Bully is a weird song. Um, and, yeah. You know, and I, I wonder if, you know, um, if he was able to tour at the moment, whether he would <laughs> play be, that. be including that right now. Yeah, his, yeah. You know. Yes. Um, but, you know, yeah, there, this, and then there's, I don't know, there's just uh, interesting stuff about that album and mm. that, you know, the players and the, you know, Mark Knopfler producing it. And I, I, Sly and Robbie. Yeah, Sly and Robbie mm. and um, Mick Taylor. <laughs> like, it's yeah. a pretty crazy lineup. But I had only just heard recently the other apparent producer choices for that, that he wanted Frank Zappa to produce yeah. them, David Bowie or Elvis Costello. <laughs> Yeah. And you can't, you know, as a Dylan fan, you can't not think about that. Mm. How, which of those would have been the best choices? Frank Zappa seems the, the weirdest. Yeah. By far. Frank, but Costello, Frank Zappa would have loved Joker Man. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But Elvis Costello probably seems the closest, in a way, to um, what we got well, have you, with Mark Knopfler. Have like you heard, there's a, there's a thing, you know the, the plugs stuff he did on Letterman? Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone did a, a, a version of Infidels as if it were recorded right. in that style. Yeah, right. And it's actually quite no, good. It would be, yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. Sound, it, sounds, it sounds like it's a legit thing. Mm. And I think if Elvis Costello did it, maybe it would have ended up like that. But I think he probably would but have been too intimidating. Hang on, you know, you're, you're getting Elvis Costello at the time that he releases pretty much his worst album. So it's after, well, it would have been just after Punch the Clock, wouldn't it? Goodbye, Cruel World is horrible. So mm. he's making, you know, he's making pretty naff music at that point. Like, and as I mean, I'm a big fan, and as yeah. much as he ever did, those are like, I mean, I quite like Punch the Clock, but yeah, it's a bit weak. And the album that follows it, I think, is the worst thing he ever did. That Goodbye, Cruel World, I just can't get on board with that at all. Right, so you're a big Spike fan, huh? I don't mind Spike. Right. I reckon it's all right. I don't mind it. It's not it's, it's not for playing guitars on a lot of yeah. Infidels too. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. The, the, I mean, the, particularly on something like Sweetheart Like yeah, You, that's yeah. a that's a real flavour, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and of course, he he was also on Slow um, Train. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that he was on Slow Train as not quite a nobody, but you know what I mean. He wasn't quite Martin Offler of Dire Straits. He he was. So he's a swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So he massively had runs on the board but 
by the time he's doing um, Infidels, he's it's making movies. He's, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only that, he's starting to score soundtracks for movies. He's yeah. starting to produce other people mm. uh, as well. You know, like he's and and he's had some monumental hits. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. And he's and then he's obviously on the way to becoming a, a sort of. Mm grotesque pop star or whatever hmm. and then out the other end of that but it's, there's quite a lot happens to him in those in those years in between producing and playing on Dylan records it's yeah. quite, quite cool but um the best lo- producer he's had of course is himself yeah I think yeah um, I Jack, think so Jack Frost yeah um I think so too. Oh well, I mean, I, I the two Daniel Lanois records are extraordinary. I think so. They you have, are. You have to make a case for him being important. But yeah, yeah. but I mean, they um, talk about heavy-handed. Sure, you know. but that's kind of you know uh, people always say that about um, Daniel Lanois' production, and I'm like, but you know, you're not wrong, but also he's not wrong because listen to the fucking records, you know, like yeah. and, that, and particularly in that, in that he you couldn't know. make Red River Shore work, you know, <laughs> but. but but Wrecking Ball and, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that Willie Nelson record, Teatro. Oh, fuck, just, his own for the Beauty of Winona record, yeah. you know. Um, mm. Yeah, he can, he can, he can oh, do, lots of he his can own do stuff. the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, but I think, like, there's half a dozen records in that. I mean, even the record he was working on at the time of, or he'd just done before Oh Mercy, that Neville Brothers record, Yellow Moon, which, right. has, got, which has got about three Dylan songs on it, mm. is a really That's good record. That's where Dylan met him, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. You look at like Man in a Long Black Coat. That yeah. that cricket sound that should be corny as hell. Yeah. But it just sits and works. Also, Oh Mercy has my favourite um, Dylan harmonica yeah. solo, which is uh, uh, in Shooting Star. The mm. final Shooting Star thing is such a full yes. emotive thing. I heard this thing with Charlie McCoy recently, and he was saying because he plays mm. harmonica on I think it's obviously Five Believers mm, on mm, on mm. Um, Blonde on Blonde. Um, he was saying that he can play anything Dylan can play, but he can't make it sound like Dylan. Yeah, yeah. You know? And yeah. I just watched um, Eat the Document the other day. Oh, night, yeah, yeah. And just, it's, and there's a shot of him on stage, which I think is used at the end of I'm Not There, mm. um, of him blowing into the harmonica and, and just getting this sort of, this whole emotional world from it. It's such a basic, screechy instrument. You know, sometimes yeah, too yeah. screechy, like yeah, John yeah. Wesley Harding. Yeah. But, um, He's, he, he, he invests it with this fullness, or Lenoir gets this fullness out of it in Shooting mm. Star and those uh, songs on and Mercy, particularly yeah, Shooting Star. Shooting right? Star, is, it's beautiful because it is yeah. like a kind of throwback to the Dylan 60s solo singer, you know, folky singer-songwriter, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? It's that kind of style of harmonica which had totally disappeared from his world and he just brings it back yeah it's like oh yeah i'm just remembering i used to do this or i always knew i'll just remind you i used to do this you know it's a bit like that he kind of has those moments throughout his records where same with his guitar playing you know yeah same with his guitar playing until recently yeah 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 but where he's like you know i I used to be really into rock and roll so you know it's like he just does that and reminds you yeah Yeah. on the way over here i was listening to the new record Mm. and um False Prophet and Goodbye Jimmy Reed, which are essentially the same song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, w- the first time I heard both of them, I was just sort of like, "Oh, this is a, a walk in the park for him." Mm. They kick ass. Yeah, yeah. They are fucking False Prophet is amazing. Yeah. I'm really into that. I've I I like I loved the new record, but um, I haven't spent a heap of time with it, and so I bought it. I bought the vinyl just recently, and I still haven't played it. I still yeah. haven't. You know, sort of cracked the spine on that, but um, well, maybe we should after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, um, 
I do love it, but it kind of came out in that period where I was like, I mean, you could read a hundred reviews about it the day it was released mm. and a thousand the next day. It was, I kind of went, oh, I'm not going to write about this. And I think like I made myself not listen to it much so mm. that I didn't write about it because I'm so in that treadmill of this is how I process things. Yeah. I do like having an album or two by an artist I love that I that I just buy and own and just have. I love yeah. I love that. And so yeah, I, I made a conscious decision yeah. for that to be that. But it's like I'm just getting starting to get into it now. This might seem like a weird um, uh, analogy, but I saw the um, Martin Amos experience mm. book there. Um, and in the in his most recent book, Inside Story, he talks about the impact of 9-11 and how Norman Mailer wanted to get writing straight away, mm. but he knew he had to wait. Mm. Um and not that I'm comparing the release of a Dylan album, aside from maybe Love and Theft, <laughs> yeah. to 9 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> but there is a there is a sense that like it's it's there is there is a too soon period with mm. all his records, mm. you know. And I still haven't come back round to, to Tempest. I have mm. I, I have with a lot of them. Yeah. But most of them, there, there is a there is a latency period. There's a there's a there's a there's a point where you need to sit with the thing. Mm. I did not love um, the first record, the the most recent record, Rough and Rowdy Ways, immediately. Right, right. Um, I didn't love any of the individual songs immediately. Right, they so the all sing- seem somewhat yeah. diminished. Yeah. But um, now I can hear all of the strength and the mm. choices mm. Um, and the magic. In yeah. It. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's yeah, it, it, it's totally interesting that stuff. I. That's just reminding me that actually I did do that with Tempest and I jumped in and wrote a, a like a, a review or a, was probably a blog post for stuff at the time about it uh, the day it came out and I'd been sent a, an advanced copy. Mm. So I had had uh, quite a few listens to it and there's a couple of songs on it I liked, you know, but I didn't love it and I sort of said that. And I think I've kind of killed that record for myself by doing that too, by being that early. I passed judgment. I was that early adopter that jumped in and said what I said. And it's like it's not that I'm scared to take it back at Mm. all, but it's just like why why would I go there? Like why would I bother? So that's why of all of the albums of his, because I didn't love. I liked. I always liked, but never loved Love and Theft until just recently, and it kind of penny dropped with that one, and I was like. Hmm. I do. I do actually really like this. I've, it's there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's a, it's a clever, upbeat little album. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it was on that album by album podcast. I thought it was interesting hearing this. You know, this was a Dylan that was totally full of confidence. Like he knew, uh, which I'd never really thought about before, but that makes total sense. Like he was riding a massive wave of. Um, career rediscovery and basically major adulation at yeah. that point everyone was on on his side yeah. again after following the, not only time out of mind but um things have changed when yeah the Academy yeah Award. that's right that's right and so a whole bunch of and 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 the sort of changing of the guard if you like of his band you know the tour yeah. was rolling on but that that mm-hmm. basically that version of his band that still really exists to this day a few lineup changes but just the style of them yeah. The sort of suited and booted guys. That's kind yeah. of been the style of his band for twenty years now. Yeah. So it used to be grey suits with black piping. Yeah. Now it's you know slightly different. Suits. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But but you know previous to that, there were a couple of members that were still there even then, like the bass player and stuff. But it was mm. definitely a more ramshackle. Exp- mm. You know, it wasn't this kind of like review. Yeah. Now it's got this feeling of like a rock and roll review. They just play his songs. I read somewhere a while ago someone compared him to Miles Davis. Mm. He's sort of become this guy who's essentially a band leader. Yeah. You know, um, 
his his job is getting the best out of everyone around him to realize his vision mm. which may seem like a pretty straightforward thing but it's not exactly what someone like McCartney does no you know yeah 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 um, but that's because McCartney's too pleased with himself that he can do all of those roles <laughs> if he wanted to you know mm. that's the thing with him as a band leader is he's actually just getting in like sort of super subs because he's going to yeah. do it on the record you know, yeah. or he's going to remind which he you, did to great effect on his most recent record. Absolutely, or he's going to remind you that he could, which is probably why yeah. he's really annoying. You know, like you know, that, my my theory is that that's why you know um, George always sided with John right. and, and and Ringo to a degree too, because Paul, you know, Paul could actually technically replace them. Like he couldn't sound like them, but he could probably get in their ear and annoy them, and which of course he does in that. In that scene in the doco where he's basically telling George how to play the guitar solo. Yeah, that's that's not nice. It's not nice. Yeah. Tony no. does like him though is Dylan. Likes Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah, is totally in awe of his of his songwriting. And it must be weird to be Bob well, that's Dylan. That's the correct response. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah, on, it's Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it must be weird to be Dylan and be a, still be a fan of music. This mm. is what was weird listen, like listen to his radio show mm. where he's talking about all these other songwriters and mm. often he's playing songwriters who he has directly influenced. Yes. You know, and there's, yes. and there's no way around it. Yeah, yeah. I saw this thing recently with Jacob Dylan saying like... Um, he was really looking forward to meeting Tom Waits and Tom Waits is freaked out about meeting his dad. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, yeah, that's he, a, he's, he, he casts such a yeah, shadow. To go back to that, you know, what Costello would be like producing him as <laughs> yeah. the classic example of, of those three because he'd... He would have had he's had some of had some influence on Bowie, sure, because Bowie covered him and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, but he didn't really have massive influence on his career like he did Elvis Costello. Yeah, yeah, and like and and same with Zappa. Mm. You know, there's no real influence there. But Zappa oh, Dylan, Dylan is thanked in the um, liner notes. In the there's a list of thank yous on um, uh, not only in it for the money, the other one. Oh, Freak Out. Freak Out. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, Let's those songs on Freak Out are like, um, that. some of those songs on Freak Out, are, are, you feel like those could be Dylan songs. But trouble Every Day. Yeah, yeah, Trouble Every Day. Is, out, totally, yeah. absolutely. Like, mm. And even like, could something like Help Home a Rock have happened without Blonde on Blonde? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you as you start building a Dylan collection and experiencing these albums and probably buying them on what cassette tape to begin with or CD? CD. CD. What do you, what happens? What do you get? What do you go for? Is it just grab bag, anything you can find or do you get strategic um, after that first, you know, uh, introduction yeah, and stuff? Yeah, those ones. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't know the reputation of Blonde on Blonde. Um, and I found a CD in, in, in Topol with the cover on it and I looked at the back and it had um, songs I recognised like I Want You from mm. Masterpieces mm. and Just Like a Woman and which I'm not a great fan of in general mm. but it had Absolutely Sweet Marie and I was a big fan of George Harrison's version of it from the 30th anniversary yeah. so I bought that not knowing what it was mm. um, and then sort of discovered you know that um, and often there were Ten dollar Dylan CDs. That's right. And the you know, and Bird the CDs nice price things. sticker. The nice yeah. price sticker. The uh, yeah. another uh, side of Bob Dylan had a little thing saying "Red Hot." The <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got yeah another side of Bob Dylan like that. And yeah. Hard Rain ones. and yeah, it was yeah. a ten dollar one. Yes, forever. yes. Hard, uh, yeah, yeah, Hard Rain probably still somewhere yes. is the yeah, yeah, ten dollar yeah. bin. <laughs> um, but it was when I got um, Highway sixty one, um, 
that was the that was the the the, the record that even more than Blonde on Blonde because I still mm. thought Blonde on Blonde was a compilation for a long time mm. even mm. though it's got a really unified well it's got that thin wild mercury sound yeah but um, Highway 61 which I listened to again like um, consciously for the first time last week in a long time um, that was that was the record that really cemented it and a friend of mine was around last night and it it you know it turned into a big Dylan discussion obviously and yeah. um and I realised that um, Desolation Rose is probably my favourite Dylan song. Wow. It's just, it, it, and which is a hell of a thing to yeah. say because, you know, because at, at times it's been sheltered from the storm, at yeah. times it's been visions of Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, or it's been Nettie Moore from modern times. But but there's there's something about that record. And the, I found the CD that I, you know, I still have the CD. Mm. So um, I'm looking forward to playing that. Mm. And it was, it was that. And then, but at that period, um, he had released the two Folky albums, but there was like no news from him for yeah, yeah. four years yeah. until Time Out of Mind came out. And um, I was hoping that it would be something decent. And we had this art history teacher who like played us the Joker Man video in class and <laughs> stuff. And I lent him my Victor Bockwurst Lou Reed yep. biography, went around to pick it up knowing he'd bought the record. And he played me lovesick, mm. um, and I and I can still remember sitting in his study with those organ notes coming in. And I reckon lovesick is one of the best, if not one of the best Dylan songs. It's definitely one of the best sounding yes. Dylan songs. Use that word sonics, but it yes. is you know, and and clearly because it's it's been a mainstay of his shows ever since he wrote it. Like it's one of the more played mm. songs. I think every time I've seen it. It's also a very compelling played. song that's kind of easy to pull off. Life. Yeah, that's right. Like it's got a mood, it creates and has a mood about it instantly. Mm. But it is, and what an, you know, but what an album um, starter. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's, um, mm. it's quite ominous. The starts of his records are, the, the, the first song on his record um, is always sort of telling. Yeah. It generally will point the way or wrong foot you. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah. Something like Tweedledum and Tweedledee wrong foot you because yes. you immediately then get whapped with Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and um, Modern Times opens with Thunder on the Mountain, which, mm. is, which, is, which is just, this is a mighty record and I am in control yes. of everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's another real mood yeah, to open yeah. with, isn't it? Like a real, feels like the start of a concert is just, it's an album. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which is the same with Lovesick, you know, like they, and that's why they've they've often been Love show opens like a Rolling Stone yep, has yep, it tangled yep. up in blue. Yes, to you know, in a, in a different way, changing of the guards, Joker, Joker Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not if not for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I keep circling that record. I can't. Yeah. Like, I love it. I, I want love, to love it, yeah, and yeah. I know that people do. Yeah. I like the individual songs. Yeah. I think that the, the 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 record itself is just too it's it's too much just echoes the cover. Yes. You know? It's too yeah. sort of bland. Yeah. Um I, but, I, but I really like moments it. Really yeah. move me. I really like it, but I wonder if um I'm you know, slightly moving away from it now and just going, actually this is a collection that's got some really good things on it but it's not a fully brilliant cohesive album but I mean I never thought it was a brilliant cohesive album I just liked it I just liked it because I love finding the you know the oddball in a collection you know Mm -hmm. an artist that's done lots of work that uh, you find that oddball record 
that you know Dylan's got half a dozen of those at least yeah that's right Um, that's right he has John Wesley Harding through maybe Tempest well through the 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 five discs of standards he recorded yes. you know? yeah 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 well which I, are know, frequently fantastic yeah i really i mean I've, yeah. I've got all three of those on vinyl and springing for triplicate was a bit of a um you know yeah a, a bit of a discussion i had to have with myself it shows you're a lifer yeah i think so i think so but the other two i think are superb the like first really, one in particular well, i really love the second one that's fallen angels that's isn't probably it? my least favorite i love that i really right. got into that because what i did with that was i kind of thought i'd don't really need him to do this again but that was when the library had just started it's kind of um you could rent borrow rent records and i thought what a nice way to experience it i'm going to go and get a trial and kind of thing i'm not going to just listen to it on spotify i'm not going to just you know check out some clips of it i'm going to experience it as a record but it's going to be an excursion you know i'm I'm going down specifically to get that and so i did and i bought it home and i played it a few times and thought it's fucking great like Mm. and it totally sold me on it it was a nice old-fashioned you yeah. know d- um suitably you know dylan-esque thing to do to have little basically private listening parties of his album for myself and convince myself that it was good so you know i really like that one i think mm. that's that's I, I would say it might be the best of them for me that, that whole era and i hope that we can now call it an yeah, era. yeah full stop yeah, yeah 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 like the christian era yes the mid-60s yeah, yeah. era you know yeah the folky uh, rewrite uh, yeah. covers in the early 90s yeah yeah um, and again, that's that's him regrouping, yeah, you know, big time, and then crashing in with yeah. with the rest of his career, basically. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, oh, up until I think he run maybe felt he was running dry after Tempest. Yeah, and then needed to to do this stuff, which he was yeah. sort of hinting at anyway. The standard stuff. If you listen to songs, half of the songs on Modern Times sound like old standards. Yeah, and half well, of them sound like. Dirty blue, and same with I mean like Duquesne whistle on um it, yeah on, you yeah, know on Tempest yeah. is, is a is a rollover from that isn't it and yeah. that feels like some some old fashioned song he discovered but actually he discovered it by writing it yeah yeah no exactly exactly Duquesne whistle is probably um, that and okay I can't figure out whether Tin Angel is mm. a great song or not <laughs> yeah you yeah. know it might be no good at all I know the Titanic one's no good yeah that's that's pretty much what put me off the record yeah. it was and just the, like what are you doing the John Lennon one I can yeah. do without too, yeah 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 know? totally uh, but Tin Angel I have the feeling is like a masterpiece is it the I one? think that Early Roman Kings is fine but yeah. it's trumped by stuff on yeah. Rough and Rowdy Ways. yeah yeah is Tempest the weakest ending Dylan record because they usually have a nice strong finish don't they even if they meander in the middle there's yeah. certainly like a well, final song that kicks you I mean know? fuck man if you're if you're if your canon includes closing songs like Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, yeah, yeah. Sarah, Desolation yeah. Row, <laughs> Highlands, yeah. Murder Most Foul, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. Also, because it comes after that hugely long Titanic thing. Yeah, it? yeah, that's, that, what, I, that's what I mean. It's like not yeah. a great, it's not a great ending. Just it's, trails off. Whereas, you know, uh, oh Mercy, we talked about, I love, but one of the things I love about Oh Mercy is, is actually side two is mm. extraordinary like the first side is good but side two of it as a record is extraordinary and it just kind of like it's almost like you know what is side two open most of the time CD. well of course most of the time is most of the time is like one, well, of, one of his best when you songs. were when you were talking about desolation row being up there i was like most of the time is is a top five dylan song for me mm. 
and it might actually be my favourite now, which is such it's a certainly where Lanois comes into. Like yes. he earns his fucking yeah. yes, because you listen to the demo. Have <laughs> you? Heard, it's just him on a guitar strumming. Well, the thing it, is that which is cool. Like I like it. It sounds like a song from Blood on the Tracks. Yes, yeah, yeah. Except he's not invested in it. Yeah, he's just he's just putting down a demo, and sometimes his demos are the best. Like the um, mm. the Forever Young demo that's on Biograph, mm. I think is superior to either of the versions. Yeah, great. But. So he's just showing he can do the song, and that's that, that's the thing. Like it's a fine song. Mm. And can you imagine Dylan bringing that song into a studio and doing it and thinking I can improve that? Mm. You know, or having the having the having the 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 the, the um the sense of mind to know it could go into this sort of place. Mm. But of course, you know the the recording of that record he wrote about in Chronicles a lot and mm, I was going to say that's, that's how you know it's special I was just going to say that's how you know it's special was him focusing in a, on it on Chronicles I think that's yeah. one of the one of the big clues for anyone that's looked past that record that no no you need to go back to it is that's how invested he was in it or how much he knows that it was career rejuvenating yeah you know, for what, what, he talks yeah. about being at a crossroads yeah. he talks about the fear of being irrelevant Mm. Um, I picked up uh, Chronicles this morning. Mm. I haven't I haven't looked at it since I um, since I read it when it came out, and I was I was struck by how honest it sounded. Like it's always difficult to know mm. what's what's really going on with what Dylan chooses mm. to relate, mm. which is why I really like that thing in No Direction Home. Yeah, yeah. But I also like the fact that in the Rolling Thunder thing with Scorsese, mm. um, there's a bit where he. Um, um, he says, "Why are you asking me about Rolling Thunder for? I wasn't, I wasn't even born yet." Yeah. And he, and as soon as he did that, I was just like, "Okay, we were with playful Dylan." Yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. Mid sixties press conference, Dylan. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, and that film's got a, a bunch of unnecessary crap in it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's it's not um, amazing, but it's it's kind of fun to watch if you see. I think I, I'm the total opposite. I think it is amazing and it's not fun to watch. Right. Okay. <laughs> like all the fun <laughs> shit. All the cute shit I can do without. Yeah. The best thing that he that Scorsese does is um, leave leave the fucking stuff alone. Yeah, yeah. And then he undercuts the whole fucking thing by making up this Van Dorp character. Yeah, and yeah, all yeah. That crap. Just well, that's what I mean. That stuff's stupid. But there, there's some enough focus on some compelling performances yeah. and just you know like and 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 just yeah. sort of building that that traveling circus world of it it is cool to watch like to, you know you've got to tick it off the list or whatever like it's you've got to what, see it. and it's got it's got three or four fantastic performances mm. that version of isis yeah what what really got me watching it again this time was um two performances one of them is when he goes to uh there's that big shared meal on a reservation Mm-mm. and he sings ira hayes which you which you think like when they start talking about the, you know the talking heads talking talking about him doing it, you think this is pro- this is not going to be any good. Mm. It's the most moving performance. Mm. He's just walking around these tables and all of these people looking up at him. He's him walking there with an acoustic guitar. It's a fantastic mm. performance. Mm-hmm. Um, with and the other one is um, knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, where he's sharing the um, the mic with Roger McGuinn, mm. um, who's an interesting fellow yeah. in the yeah. Dylan universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Dylan starts doing that weird sort of um, mock shocked kabuki thing with his eyes mm. and forces McGuinn to kind of play along with it and they and, and they build up a really strange performance energy between the two of them 
which totally suits the song, but also subverts the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it makes... McGuinn comes across looking good, you know, because of it. Mm. It's there are so many things uh, going on with it, and it's and it's just him having a funny look on his face. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And of course, one of the other great things in that movie, it seemed to me, the way it was picked up on, was Joni Mitchell performing Coyote mm. and sitting around just knocking out that song, and that the the men in the room yeah. just blo- you know. And you know, you got to wonder what Dylan was actually adding guitar wise to that. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, to, to, to put it very bluntly for what was going on at that time, they're obviously all looking, going, I want to fuck her, but they're also going, Jesus Christ, she's, a, she's amazing. Like, it isn't just an objectification, it's actually like, holy shit, she's better than any of us. And, and this song is better than anything we've done. You know, like, there is that kind of realization. Yeah, it's quite incredible, but there is also that awful male objectification thing going yeah. on as well. I think with it, ladies surviving in a ruthless world. Yes. Um, yeah. Did you see that uh, thing that they tweeted out from the Journey Mitchell account for the 30th anniversary of Night Ride Home? It's a solo performance that she did of the title track for that record. Oh yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, 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 I have seen that. Yes. It's incredible, yes. And, yeah. and, and, and it's two years before the record was released. Yes. You know, so yeah, she's yeah. just writing it. It's got that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, no, she's I did, a whole other podcast. Yes, yeah. No, yeah. I did see that clip. I didn't really kind of connect it, but I did see that performance. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, well, should we do Dylan on film? Should we talk about the doc, the docos, the film appearances? You want to yeah. talk about that? Since you sort of opened that up a little bit there. Well, I, I want to add that I've read Chronicles twice, and I did really enjoy re-reading it. I, I mean, I read it when it came out, and then. I got rid of my copy and then bought it again and then read it about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and then um, got rid of that and now I feel like I need to buy it again which is fucking stupid. But what, what stays with you from Chronicles? Definitely the Oh Mercy stuff. Like it's definitely... Because I remember one of the most... What got me into most of the time was its placement in the movie High Fidelity. Its use in that and its appearance on the soundtrack convinced me that it was a great song you know like I'd, I'd heard it and I'd mm. liked it but it totally blew me away and then the other thing that got me interested in, in Oh Mercy is some of the covers that have happened you know over the years like Willie Nelson What and, Was It You Wanted yeah, yeah 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 doing What Was It You Wanted and and this is a bit later than I'd, I'd already read Chronicles but um, but Tom It's Jones, great by the way that he he, he did that at the yeah, concert oh, totally. and didn't just do like um, yeah. I'll be your baby tonight yeah yeah totally yeah. no no that was great I mean it was a big part of getting me right into Willie Nelson too actually mm. um, when I think about it but but um, and this is after I'd read Chronicles but Tom Jones does a great version of What God Am I on one of his more recent records too which is excellent so I, I, getting into Lanigan's the, Man in the Long Back Coat as well yeah 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 so getting into that like that idea that all of these things are like these songs are ripe for that and but but i think just reading his yeah his chapter on it was amazing like just that whole idea of this record's important to him because it's career rejuvenating he was at a crossroads it was and you know the other thing that obviously puts him in the public eye around that time is of course the traveling wilburys like that puts him you know that gives him kind of um boy scout points or whatever you know like it's (laughs) you know it does kind of it did elevate all of them and i like 
those traveling well, well I love the first record the, first one, the second yeah. one is fine it's okay I don't yeah. really like it but I'm, I'll, I'll allow it kind of thing but the yeah. the first one is great and I still listen to it you know I still get nothing but good feelings from it and it's wrapped up in childhood nostalgia too absolutely yeah, yeah but, in the car yeah that's thing. it yeah. but Oh Mercy was like him out on his own because I didn't know Knocked Out Loaded or Down in the Groove you no. know, until much later like I didn't know those records you don't need to necessarily know them you know I can defend little bits of them but I did you know I did know Empire Burlesque and that felt like a bummer yeah yeah, no, yeah I, I got Empire Burlesque on record for mm. some reason mm. probably because someone threw it away yeah you know yeah. Um, so I did know that um, and I actually liked about half of it yeah, you know? I, I still reckon it's actually a little bit picked on. It's not great, but it's a little bit unfairly picked on. I don't think it's as bad as the two records that came, and I know that's not really, mm. you know, giving it much, but I really think it's, you know, if it was... If it's it not going to listen to it all the way through. No, if it was better produced, yeah. it would stand up with Infidels, but it can't. Mm. I do think, again, side two of that record is strong, you know, like it's yeah. got some... Good... Oh, talk about closing tracks yeah. as well, eh? yeah. Dark Eyes. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, the Chronicles is also, I didn't make it all the way through it, but there's an audio book of it read by Sean, Sean Penn, Penn, which yeah. I quite liked. <laughs> it's like, that's a good choice, like, mm. uh, especially, you know, when it was recorded, back when, mm. you know, when it was made. But, yeah, do you think we'll ever get part two or a part three? You asked me this in the first podcast. Yeah. And I said, we're, we're you know, we should feel lucky enough we got the first one. Yeah, I agree with that. And now I'm pretty much sure that we won't. Yeah. Um, I had this thought today. We don't, we don't get all those Sufjan <laughs> albums either. But, you know, so. I had this thought today, um, which just shows how crazy sort of circular waves of fandom is. I was like, maybe that's Bob Dylan's 80th birthday present to us. It's Chronicles Volume 2. Maybe it's just going to come out. Of course it's not, but isn't no. that a, but isn't that a cool thing to yeah. <laughs> isn't that a cool thing to think about and go not not because you hope you've predicted something that just it would be it would be nice, but I completely yeah. agree with you. Like, it's, it's, it, it, it it'd be hard to top the gift of murder most foul coming out as yeah. lockdown was starting. Yeah, yeah, totally. That Holy was, mackerel! That was something, eh? Yeah. <laughs> And all that speculation as to when he might have recorded it and yes. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and then it's not until. Um, another two singles are released that we know that there's a record coming yeah, yeah. and then it turns out to be you know this this fantastic record this, you know mm. so I started a topic then and then instantly na- navigated away from it so to go back to it talking about Dylan on film so there's two strains to this really there's all of the official documentary footage of which there's lots and, and, and some bootleg stuff and some famous you, you know you mentioned it, the document and um, but then there's Bob Dylan the film actor what, yeah. and TV cameo actor <laughs> Dharma and Greg <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that when it was like you know Me too. I when it was on, on. TV. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, but I wasn't tipped off or anything. Oh, and right. It was, and it wasn't a show. I it wasn't like I sat. And I was watching it. for it because it right. was in Time magazine that he was going to be in it. <laughs> I think I saw it by complete fluke and was just like I was probably watching it with a flatmate that liked it or something yeah. like that. But it was just such a. You know, a guy it's said in the to me, backyard playing a guitar, isn't it? Yeah. Underneath the yeah, tree. Someone said to me recently. Um, the tree. Someone was talking about Bob Dylan, his Christian phase, and he said it was a. Uh, um, Christian chap I was talking to who said um, that was a big win for us when <laughs> when Bob Dylan went to Christian music you know because mm-hmm. a lot of Christian music's not very good mm-hmm. so to get 
the greatest songwriter in the world suddenly on your team. That was a big, big win for us. Yeah. And he said, and it was a fucking... And writing some pretty good songs for that's you That's right. And then he said it was a fucking devastating blow, but he left. You know, like... That was, <laughs> well, did he ever leave? Well, no. no, no, not really. And that's the thing. And, and, and he'd been, you know, encoding his songs with plenty of biblical references yeah. before he was ever quote-unquote a Christian. But I was thinking that was a big win for casual Dharma and Greg fans. That's you know, <laughs> what I was... <laughs> when, when he happened they to... They weren't be able to parlay it into anything <laughs> significant following, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure it was. So you want to defend Dylan the actor? No, you I want to... You I, want I, to talk... I, I, you've got thoughts. I come to bury season onto praise okay. him. Okay. Um, Dylan... Dylan... Um, okay. As someone who has occasionally done the job of acting... Yeah. Dylan cannot do the job of acting. Yeah, it seems that way to me. Yeah, he is he's he is unable to divorce himself from what he's, uh, you know, him, him, from he, the role that he's created for himself yeah. or whatever that he's hiding inside. But it's yeah. not. It's there's so much he's it has created a role for himself. It's that, and this is where we start getting into a into a little bit of sort of, um, uh. Talking about speculating as to how he sees himself. Mm-hmm. Um, most rock stars have a very strong ego, and ego is a sense of oneself in the world. Yeah, I don't think Dylan necessarily has the same sort of ego as someone like Mick Jagger does. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he sees himself in the world so much. He sees the type of person that he has decided he is going to be, and the sorts of things he is going to emulate and take on. And he has to live up to that internally. Mm. Um, and part of that is being an actor like James Dean. So when he goes um, to, to act, um, he is playing the part of someone being an actor. Which is why I think it's fantastic and I'm not there when the actor character um, is someone who finds fame playing the version of the Dylan character I've in a film. You know? I've still not seen it. Haven't you? It's, no, got, it's got some fantastic stuff I've, in it. I owned it on DVD for however many years. I still do. And I right. and I got rid of it um, re- in the last couple of years without ever watching it. And now, as soon as I got rid of it, I was like, <laughs> I, I need to see that. One day I just need to yeah. see it. I, I think I'm, I'm Not There has some... Um, it, 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 take, it takes some liberties and has some excesses, yeah. but it's... Um, it's got oh, no, a pretty I was sound always, I was always interested in it, of course. I mean, I went out and bought it, and and you know, I like the filmmaker. You know, like it's mm. the, you know as well. So it's like I'm interested in it from that point of view, not just the subject. But I don't know. I've got some sort of stage fright around watching it, which is stupid because mm. I don't. I, I'll I'll watch any old shit um, on the way to watching a lot of good things. But for some reason, I've just I've just built that up to yeah. such a level that I. <laughs> I need to be ready. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it, some some Dylan fans I've known have watched it and just dismissed it. Yeah. Others have found it very moving. There mm. are element. There are parts of it that I find really quite mm. moving and exact. I liked, I liked Master and Anonymous. I thought See, this, it was weird is, folly, but I liked. This is it. the weird. Yeah. Folly's the right word. Yeah. Like um, and and it's also like yeah, when 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 Dylan does choose to act. He's not just like getting apart and and acting it generally. Mm. Um, he is he is playing some some weird version of him himself. You know, in Hearts of Fire. Uh, yeah. in I have seen that. Yeah. In in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Yeah, yeah. In the Dennis Hopper movie, have you seen this? No, Where he's a one? he's a, a chainsaw artist. 
Oh. It's got a couple of names. It's got Jodie Foster in it. It's yeah. weird. He's in yeah. one scene. He's terrible. Yeah. But um, but with Master Anonymous, which as you know was born out of all that yeah. that, that aborted um, slapstick thing yeah, with Larry yeah. Charles. Yeah. Um, which is a great story. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the guy's name's Jack Fate. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and the stuff doesn't make sense. It mm. is. It, it's just. But it makes sense internally to him, and I think that we forget because he's so popular. Mm. And and he's been, uh, he's so much in the public eye, and his songs have been covered so successfully. Um, we see him as a pop artist, but he's not. Yeah, he's not really a mainstream no, guy. Totally. You know, he's someone who will who who, who will write and get made a film like Master Anonymous, yeah. which I watched again a couple of years ago, yeah. and like. I like it because I can key into where Dylan might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Not not because objectively it's a it's a great yeah. film. And actually Brando was a bit like this later on too. Like some of his later performances weren't fantastic, mm. but they were sort of like, Oh yeah, Brando's doing that now. I, I yeah, yeah I, I watched a I watched a, a, a Brando movie recently from the late eighties and I was like, Oh, I can see how he's convinced the director that he's allowed to sit down in court for this. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you see that with, with with Dylan, he's calling mm. himself Jack Fate. He wants the shot framed like this, so the whole band's in it, you know. Mm, mm. And and this is a figment of his imagination that he's made manifest. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's no, that's interesting. And so, what about the docos? Like, what do you you know go for there? Um, obviously, don't, don't look back. well. Don't look back is the is the is the is the classic. But the older I get, the um, the harder it is to watch mm. because mm. Um, Dylan doesn't come across as looking like a very nice yeah. guy Yeah, I can't remember whether it's Paul Williams or C.P. Lee though who talks about seeing Dylan play the piano backstage and get fidgety and you can almost see him sort of wanting to break out and do the electric stuff that, right. that follows yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting sort of anthropologically like that also I think that it's um, um, you know apologies to the beats and whatever, but it's probably where the uh, where the where the modern sort of white hipster idea is codified. Yeah. Him and Bobby Newworth are just like the fucking coolest guys. Yeah, yeah. And everyone knows it, and he can say and do anything. Mm. You know. Um, I always watched it and felt just this absolute cringe of uh, sympathy, I suppose, for Donovan. Yeah. In that scene. And Joan Byers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but I, but also, yeah. I can't lie. I sort of you, you loved it at the time because you were, because it is a, a well made film in terms of mm. a, a piercing document. You know, it's a really incredible sort of bunch of manipulated fly on the wall situations, isn't it? Like it's obviously yeah. you know it's obviously orchestrated because it's a film. Yeah. But within that You can't I mean this is the mid sixties. You yeah. can't frame a shot that well that easily. That's right. That's what I mean. Through so that glass. That's right. So it's all set up and staged and organised but it it has this beautiful look to it and feel to it and it does mm. capture some moments and it does capture um his boredom his detachment you know mm. his the start of him really going into the shell isn't it like yeah. if i need to to survive like this is fucking nuts on the commentary for it i think um uh Penna baker talks about how they didn't it opened the title card saying dylan 1965 and um the studio or the company releasing or whatever didn't want the name on it because it would date it mm. what it what it does is it 
really crystallised the fact that because yeah, obviously Dylan was moving so quickly mm. um, this, this is just this point yeah you yeah know? so like three years later you can't pitch that as the yeah. same artist yeah but a year later when he went back to England it yeah. really wasn't the same artist yeah yeah and so I, th- I think like when I first watched No Direction Home I thought oh they've just taken lots of bits from Don't Look Back and obviously Scorsese's attempted to do something different and make a more of a portrait but it's just blown up and longer mm. but but not that I watch it lots but I have a whole lot more time for that you know now because it is a great portrait it is yeah. it is this great attempt to and it does a better job of you know John Jacob Niles and stuff like that some of those like really strange musicians that you know Mm-hmm. a lot of people hadn't heard of yeah and that's you know Dylan's into them and that's where you know that's where you find out about them and so it does do that wider picture of, of not only who he is but where he's come from yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's great to have like Maria Muldown yeah. on that yeah and um uh, is it Liam Clancy yeah um it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a very good documentary and again like with the Rolling Thunder one he's left in you know these big unedited chunks of stuff that works mm-hmm. but the difference is as far as Dylan is concerned with the t- those two documentaries he is really being honest and and examining that time in No Direction Home mm-hmm. whereas in um, the Rolling Thunder one and this is made clear by like the the, yeah. the end of it as well where they talk about the Rolling Thunder review essentially being a ne- the never ending tour yeah um He's just taking this opportunity to joke around again. Um, if you look at No Direction Home, there's Vaseline on the lens um, when it's Dylan. Mm. And in the Rolling Thunder one, he hasn't shaved properly. Yeah, like, he yeah. looks like crap. Yeah. You know, he's wearing a nice bolo tie, yeah. but he looks like crap. Yeah. Um, and he's just having fun. Mm. So No Direction Home is a... Um, is a, is a proper document I think Mm-mm. and it's got that great stuff like the way that the second disc starts with him going I want to clean my bird and get some tobacco <laughs> from the- oh. <laughs> yeah and it, and you know he deserves the epic treatment of the three hour documentary right like if anyone does you know and, and sure it's not even career encompassing it's just a snapshot it's mm-hmm. just a period but you know, it's still so it's so vast that it doesn't cover everything. Well, No Direction Home only covers what four. No, years? but that's what I mean. But yeah. it doesn't even cover everything that happens no. in those four years in that time. Is what I mean. Like, how no. could it? it doesn't how cover could his it? relationships. Yeah. It doesn't cover you know, the, the the recordings of of, of every album. Mm. I'm really interested in the recording of another side of Bob Dylan, which happened in one night. Yeah, that stuff's nuts, eh? Those, yeah. uh, it's the same with some of those early Beatles records and stuff. And Well, yeah. I think one of the Cream records was completed in two hours. There's that great joke yeah. in the Ruttles where they say their first record was, re- was, was recorded in half an hour, their second took even longer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the first Dylan album I find hard work. I, the, the self-titled Bob Dylan, I find It's hard. so strange, we're looking at it now, yeah. it's so strange that it's called Bob Dylan. Uh, yes. And, and in a way, it's the least Bob Dylan record. Yes, well, it doesn't yeah. have any of his... It's got know, Song to Woody on it. And it's got Song to Woody and one other that he wrote. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. And then a whole... in New York. Yeah. But, um, but then his second record is Free Will. Yeah, yeah. And which that is, is... Yeah. Incredible. That's, like, his, that's his Hard Day's Night. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, it's... That's got Hard Rain on it. Mm. That's got Don't Think Twice on it. 
know? It's, I think for the longest time, that was my favourite of the 60s records. Just because it's, there's something a little bit, not naive, but, you know, underdeveloped about. Like, it, it's, it, the nice arrangements, it's well produced, it's, they're, they're strong songs, but haven't really thrown the whole band at it yet. Mm. You know, it's the so, runaway talent thing. Yeah. It's like he's able to do it and he's and and um but he's unsure of exactly how to do it. Also, mm. um and this is another way in which he's similar to Brando, everyone's telling him he's great. Mm-mm. You know? Mm. So and that must give anyone that further confidence to you know, and the confidence that he would need four years later mm. um with the Hawks to to continue on that tour. Um, to just go into that space mm. and to take those traditions and to take the, the music he knew and loved and make something new with it, whether he was consciously trying to push music forward um, or not. The bit I read in Chronicles this morning was him talking to Robbie Robertson and Robbie Robertson saying, where are you going to take the whole music scene? <laughs> he's like, what, the whole? That, that's not my responsibility. Mm. You know, because he's always denied the stuff about being spokesman for a generation yeah, yeah, and all that yeah. shit. He probably didn't write a single song during 1968. Mm. You know, which is... One the, of the... One of the... The pivotal year yeah, of the yeah, 60s is right. like Mark Kulansky and others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not... Um, everyone's buzzing at the moment about 1971 because it's 50 years ago yeah, yeah. and all of the great records that come out in that time. And this is still Dylan's Lost Years. You know, yeah. really, mm. you know, New Morning has, has had happened, but it wasn't a triumph. It wasn't mm. a big thing. It's like a record I like and a few people like, but it's it's not one. Of, and he's still in that hole of self-portrait and yeah. the the um, that weird record, Dylan, that the record company releases, comes out in what, Because he left him into yeah. Asylum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Columbia released Dylan, which actually is not bad. I quite like it. Yeah. I was, it's like I was thinking about this the other day when you were talking about... Mm. Um, under the Red Sky. Yeah. Um, there's a bit in Train Spotting, where um, uh, uh, we're rented the movie. We're, we're mm. rented and Sick Boy talking to each other, and um, Sick Boy says that Lou Reed's gone off. The yeah, board. yeah, yeah. And Renton said some of some of the solo stuff's all right. Sick Boy says, yeah, but even though when you listen to it, it sounds all right, you know, really, it's just shite. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think with that, and with, with Dylan and 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 um, Under the Red Sky and others. It's almost the opposite. It's like, um, even though you know it's shite, when you listen to it, mm. sounds all right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's totally, okay. Totally. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I bought that Dylan record on my... I'd never seen it here, and I bought it on my first trip to the States in the first store I walked into, and I couldn't right. believe... For $7, and I couldn't believe my luck. I was like, I didn't know that this thing was a thing anymore, you know. Right. Like, I didn't even know it was Pretty around. much shoplifted it from Real Groovy. Yeah. <laughs> and I just was like, this is a, this is a nice find in my first sort of small town mm. and I bought um it was a, it was good. I bought that and I bought um um Time Fades Away by Neil Young as well which oh, was a great. nice thing you know which yeah, has yeah. been reissued since but that yeah. was a nice thing to find um at the, you know it felt it felt right to get those records together for some reason they oh know, yeah yeah occupy similar some, space for similar sure. space really yeah. yeah 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 um certainly both um records the artist had sort of denied mm. You know, I think Neil's come around a bit now to that, but he'd certainly had that one hiding and wasn't that interested in doing anything with it mm. for a long time. But I, I think that's quite a good record. But yeah, so it's not a classic. So yeah, and that whole, you know, that's another significant period of music where all of his peers and people he's inspired are doing these amazing things. Well, it's basically... he's just it's, not. That's the sort of Eagles yeah. time, yeah. you know. 
Um, well, it's moving into it then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. where... Uh, but, I mean, 71, you're thinking, like, you know, like, your big, your big, big... Obviously, there's, you know, Led Zeppelin 4 and things like that, but really it's stones. about... It's about... Yeah, but really it's about things like, you know, what what's going on. In terms of, like, records we think of now is still still being amazing. It's like, what's going on, which just yeah. turned 50, and, um, you know, Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a riot going on, stuff like that. And he's just having nothing's happening for him yeah because that's how he wants it well they just had Woodstock in his yeah. backyard as an invitation for him to come and play yeah you know, and yeah. He, he didn't play Slime yeah. Family Stone did yeah you know yeah it well is I suppose a, he turned up I suppose he turns up at the um, he turns up in 94 no no but he turns up at um, George Harrison's concert which concert is concert Bangladesh which yeah. is pretty significant and he played the Isle of Wight yeah, and well. the, yeah. but the concert with Bangladesh thing is pretty significant I'm, I'm fronting and basically the second the you know a large part of the back half of the concert being mm. a Bob Dylan show yeah it, well yeah because he, he'd, he'd gone off the road after the motorcycle accident mm. and hadn't really toured much at all mm. but then he maybe um, went a little overboard you know, mm, and you mm. get um, the um, you know that, that that tour with the band mm. and stuff like that, where he I think he's really trying to be a rock the, star before again. the flood. Yeah, 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 which is a strange record. That, yes. that, that's a record that was released on Asylum. You yeah, know, it's yeah, not, it's it's not a Columbia record. It's a strange record. Um, well, half of it's band songs. Mm, you know, mm, half of it's mm. like stage fright and mm. the way. I mean, I, like I like it, but I've never really known how to feel about it. <laughs> you know, like I think I, that there's yeah. a lot of that in in a lot of Dylan's stuff. It's like yes. like you don't you, and. This is what I think about the 30th anniversary concert. As as a as a as a community, the Bob Dylan community has not come up with a way to talk about the 30th anniversary concert. <laughs> you know, like there's no sort of accepted thing. Like various records have been, have been rehabilitated. Um, John Wesley Harding, Street mm. Legal. Mm. Um, I think Infidels was always sort of mm. on the up and up. Yeah. Um, but but with 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 some of the things, there is a there is sort of like a what. Where, where, where are we with this? Mm. You know, how how should we, how should we, how should we? There's there's no sort of agreed thing. You can sit down and talk to basically anyone who likes Bob Dylan about how great Blonde on Blonde is, or mm, mm. Time Out of Mind, or mm. whatever. Um, but this this sort of adds weight to the idea that he follows his own sort of um, the sort of interior thing that's leading him on. Is that there are all these points in his career which are sort of unintelligible or illegible in a way to 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 a casual listener and even to a to a dedicated listener mm. but must make sense to him and because of that it's still compelling. Mm. If you listen to a lot of the outtakes they are still compelling. And and when you and when you think about okay why did he leave series of dreams off of oh mercy. Yeah. I can and see why he left off blind William Tell. I can too. I mean, it's amazing, it but it doesn't fit. Like everyone yeah. that says, I was going to say, like that's the, that's always the classic conversation that it's one of his best songs and it could mm. have made it one of his, but it wouldn't have made the record any better. It would have somehow weirdly, well, wouldn't if not detracted, it just wouldn't have fit and didn't fit, and that's yeah. why it's not there. It's actually a really good decision. <laughs> that's yeah. great. He, he could have selection. released. He could have released one great record in the eighties and and then Oh Mercy. Mm. You know. Um, which would have abandoned love on it and Caribbean wind, mm. um, you know, pick up a couple of ones that were officially released, like every grain of sand mm, and chuck mm. and blind Willie McTell. It is yeah. like 
it's up there with that stuff is up there with anything he did in yeah. any decade yeah yeah you know but isn't that the the fun now and why there's so many like amateur Dylanologists around or professional ones where you can actually do that now we get to make those you know people, make those playlists get to make those playlists yeah. and mixtapes and things right like you yeah. get to experiment with that stuff yeah and uh you Everyone know. can make a masterpieces. Yeah, well, it's true though. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I I love making up um, selections of of you know, well, they officially do them now, but selections of things from the various bootleg series mm-hmm. is a good thing to do, and also just like as many sort of like um, semi obscure album tracks as you can you know can can really like. This that's what I love about New Morning is the stuff at the end of that. Um, like, like if dogs run free and and um, which is a children's book. Yeah, 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 yeah. and um, and Father of Night and stuff. They work. I really, like Father. Yes, of Night. no, but that's what I say. But the, yeah. no, but they work really well excerpted because you're just kind of like, what the fuck is yeah. this? Like, they, oh, I love um, uh, uh, all the tired horses from yeah. from self portrait. Yeah, yeah. As a as an individual standalone thing, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I like Copper Kettle. You know, Days of 49. Yeah. You know, from that record. I quite like Self Portrait. I always thought it was really funny. See, I, yeah, I, I, I was listening to the. Um, the version of the Boxer. <laughs> That's not good. No, it's know? not good. No, it's not. But I like that it has. It's not even worth know? trying. No, but that's what I love. Like, you're, you're dead right. And everyone's right that doesn't like that. But I like that it happened. Because I love. I don't know what the word is. Is it seeing chinks in the armor or what? I don't know. Like, mm. just that kind of. Um, that sort of, I don't know, fallibility or something yeah. of, of someone that has been and continues to be so towering to to see the mistakes. And also to see him um, interpret a contemporary song. Yes, yeah. And the same, same yeah. thing happens with, with, with the, the Gordon Lightfoot um, song yeah. on that record. Yeah. Is that there's sort of a, a, a why would you? Shouldn't you be the person, you know, at the front of the march mm. with the burning torch? But it's cool, like, because he, like, live, he would quite often cover um, that Van Morrison song, And It Stoned Me. Yeah. You know, which is a great song. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, again, like, I don't know if Van Morrison was inspired by Dylan to write that, but it's kind of a Dylan-y Van Morrison song, right, of of all of them. Mm. It fits. You can see how, so is he occasionally going, this is a song I would have liked to have written, you know? I think that was definitely the case with Warren Zevon. Yeah. Um, I think when he started covering um, yes, three or four of his songs yes. in concert, yeah. when, when and it was it was also it was when Zevon announced he was dying, yeah, not right. after he died. No, he you was know. saying he was saying to people, "What about this guy?" Yeah, you know, and he's turning your attention. And to he's him. got the right voice for like yeah. mutineer, which yeah. they ended up putting on the Zevon yeah, tribute yeah, record. Totally. Um, yeah, but I wonder if he was saying, you know, like in some way, oh, I would have liked to have written the boxer. It's possible. I think so. You know, it's uh, well. I mean, the, 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 that's the thing about what I was saying before about when you listen to his radio show and he's mm. talking about other yeah. songwriters yeah. who are obviously influenced by him. Yeah, totally. But he can't do everything. Yeah. You know, he can just be Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um. He he, well, he 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 can just be Robert Zimmerman's you know invention of Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Um. So he can't write a song like Boom Boom Mancini. He can't write the boxer you know mm. he, he, he he's he's unable to um to to but but nor can he write you know old hymns and carter family songs mm, mm. 
you know, that's just not where he is. Mm. And that allows him to admire it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And to occasionally dip his oar in the water and, you know, move towards it or, you know, um, stir yeah. something up that's similar mm. of, you know, that's remin- reminiscent or yeah. borrowed from. Yeah. Now, we haven't really talked about, I mean, we've, we haven't really talked about Dylan Live, specifically seeing Dylan Live. So when do you first see him? Um, I saw him first um, touring time out of mind in 98. The Patty Smith. Yeah, with Patty Smith. Yeah. I saw him in Auckland and Wellington. Yeah. Bought tickets to Auckland and Wellington and a flight between them and then they added a second Auckland show. So I missed the second Auckland show where Patty Smith did Kimberly, my favourite song of hers <laughs> yeah. at the time, and Dylan did Senior, my favourite song of hers at the time. Yeah. But anyway. Um, there was a there was a there was a point where I saw him. He did leopard skin pillbox hat, I think. Mm. Um, but when he came back up for the encore, he was in profile, and it was the profile. You know, it mm. was the profile uh, that they had the silhouette of on the um, this, the the red stickers on the CDs in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the it was the profile from Blood on the Tracks. It was it was you know the 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 Hasidic nose mm-hmm. and the hair and 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 the, and the sort of downcast eyes it was him mm. you know it could have been sixty six mm. um, I fucking lost it at both shows um, to the point where in Auckland some English bobcats who'd followed him around the world had to settle me down you know I was <laughs> I was just taken with him really? but the but the best I've seen him I love the one from two thousand three where I yeah. think you can actually hear me on the bootleg is that when the Annie DeFranco opened for him yes yeah um uh that was great um, yeah that was but the best I've seen him was um because I didn't see him the last time when you did yeah, yeah. he was the best yeah. uh the best I saw him was, you know, was trying time out of mind with the frames open for him yeah, which yeah. was sort of negligible as an okay. opening act yeah. yeah so we went to the same three Wellington shows yeah yeah and but then you saw and then I, I did see the 2018 mm. show and all I Hamilton, but I was overseas in 2014. Yeah. I think yeah. It was. yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he'd come here twice, and or was it just that one time? But I, I just sort of went. Oh, I don't know if I need to see him again. You know, I've seen three shows, and they were basically all good, like different mm. versions of good too, like and different. good, but not the same like Cohen. No, that's right. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, he was worth seeing three times. And I, truth be told, I was a little disappointed with that first time with the Patty Smith. Mm-hmm. I loved her. I thought she was great. I, I, I think I was, you know, you say you just lost it. I think I was the opposite, like I was expecting too much. And so I was weirdly underwhelmed by seeing... There were some stunning moments, like, mm-hmm. you know, lovesick and lots of really great things. Silvio was great. Yeah, yeah. No, there were lots of cool things and lots of nice surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, more than I... You know, you know, you know, you can look up every show he's played, and so yeah. you you know that there's all sorts of songs get pulled in and out of set lists and stuff. But I I just think maybe I was expecting too much, so I I was a little. I think there was also with that show he had the, the, those two mics, like he had that yeah, regular yeah. mic and that other like, weird old yeah, distortion yeah. radio mic, yeah. um, which kind of put. A, a, a sort of a, a, a filter between Oh, I think the, the problems the probably mostly are to do with the venue too. This was like in the, you know, even though I saw him three times in that same venue, it's that, yeah. it's that classic notorious Wellington venue that, yes. you know, has ruined more shows than it's made. 
Yeah. They got it right for Leonard Cohen, though. They did get it right for Leonard Cohen, and they did get it right. I think the only other thing I've seen there that was absolutely superb, sound-wise, was Split Ends, which was weird, weird, because I thought, oh, you know, when I watched Leonard Cohen, I was like, oh, I see what they've done. You know, they've put carpet down, and, you know, Mm. his band plays quietly and stuff, so that's why this works. But I saw Split Ends there, like... You know, super fucking rocking out, and it sounded incredible. Yeah. And maybe just you know. Apparently, Smashing Pumpkins were okay in there too, but. Uh, yeah. Oh no. I mean, I've seen some other things that were, but anyway, that was that was sort of upset upset me. So I was pleased to see him in two thousand and three, which I thought was probably the the best of those three shows. But that two thousand and seven one, that was pretty great. Yeah. I just think I was less into Modern Times, but which I now really like. Right. You know, again, yeah. it was another one of those things where I kind of just felt all of those records, I felt, um, well, Love and Theft in Modern Times, Tempest actually is pretty average, but yeah, Love and Theft in Modern Times, I just couldn't treat them as their own things. I just sort of thought, well, this is like not, um, not as good to me as Time Out of Mind. And mm. people getting excited about them are wrong. Time out <laughs> of mind has got a has got like a constancy of feel. Through yes, it. yes. But I, I, look, I I I think Modern Times is top five. I bought Modern Times uh, just a few months ago on CD for a mm-hmm. dollar, and pl- and played it heap, or maybe two dollars, and played it heaps, and was just like, fuck, this is so good. <laughs> you know, so like I I'd, I'd always liked it. Like, don't get me wrong, I'd always liked it, but. I'd never fully appreciated it, and I kind of just didn't want to hear from people I, who thought it was great. I was like, uh, hey. "Well, that's me. Yeah. I think it's great. It, it is. It, it's the culmination of him as a performer and an arranger yeah. and producer." Yeah. Um, I I still remember where I was listening to it on a discman, um, the first time I heard "Ain't Talking" all the way through, um, which is the song that closes mm. the record. Mm. Um, and you know how that song ends? It's, it's this um, this post-apocalyptic wasteland, it, you know, which you can say about a lot of Dylan songs, yeah. going back to yeah. John Wesley Harding and even, you know, and, and uh, Hard Rain and whatever. That, yeah. That's a, sort of a common thing for him. But there is a, there is a lushness to this, um, to this song, um, and his voice suits it exactly perfectly. It's got these brutal lyrics if I ever catch my enemies sleeping I'll just slaughter them where they lie and all this stuff um, when the song finishes there's this I don't know the correct musical term maybe it's a crescendo or whatever there's a, there's that big chord mm. that comes up right at the end which is at odds with everything you've just heard and is the way the album ends mm. I, my, I, my skin started you know, it's happening now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that moment in that song, listening to it, and that's not Dylan as as a, as as a removed Nobel Prize winning writer. Mm. That is Dylan as a musician and a producer. Mm. That's that's making something happen in somebody else. Mm. You know, with mm. music, not with words, but with music. It, and yes, it is his words and his delivery and his arrangement of the music that he's written. But that last, that last bit where, where um, things seem to rise up, but to what? It's almost like at the end of um, The Quiet Earth, the mm. Jeff Murphy film, mm. where um, Bruno Lawrence's character awakes in a new world 
you know, which 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 has uh, an unfamiliar horizon, and then it just ends. Mm. You know, it's it's transportative. It does something. It does something to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Ain't talking. I think is like is top five Dylan songs. It's up there with Desolation Row. Wow. And like a Rolling Stone. Yeah, I definitely. But it wouldn't work without the, the heft of the album before it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mighty. No, I definitely, as I say, when I started listening to it again recently, and I and I, I, I think I kind of worked this out around the time I saw him in 2018. So, I, I'd got fully on board with the record by then. But in 2007, I hadn't. Is mm. what I mean. You know, like I just sort of went, "This is okay." I didn't hate it. I probably felt about it a bit, a bit the way you felt about Rough and Rowdy Ways when you first heard it. You know, you you know it's good, you know it's okay. Mm. But you, you would have got on board with Thunder on the Mountain and Rolling. Oh sure, that, so. no, totally, yeah, yeah, no, and 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 I and I think those like, yeah, and in that live show, absolutely, like Thunder on the Mountain was awesome, you know, yeah. like, and I just remember going, and yes, because you just sat through the frames, you know, like so, <laughs> and they're fucking average, and yeah. and you know they're fine, but you just you know you don't don't want to disparage the frames, no, but after just, after Patty Smith and Ani DeFranco, that's right, it was it was a bit of you know you're like oh who's he going to bring this time, who who are they going to pair him up mm-hmm. with, and I was like oh that's a shame, like <laughs> that was sort of how it felt to me, and um, and I don't think he'd even that even released that horrible that film once hadn't even come out at that point I thought he was riding the wave of that or maybe he was yeah Yeah, maybe he was maybe that's why I was anyway um, yeah it was it it was good and but now I think it's great that album that's how I feel but you know when I went to him in 2018 I just started doing this stupid thing where which I'm still doing now which I actually love which is basically doing a deep dive on an artist's catalogue and actually starting at the start and over a period of however long like a few weeks or a few months just listening to everything in order in chronological order of release and it started I don't know why it started but it started for me with Neil Young I think I just hadn't listened to anything much by him for a while apart from a few favorites and I was like you know I can't even really remember if I like that first album that second album you know so I just decided to go in on it and Mm. then I did Joni Mitchell and then the timing just happened that a couple of months before the Dylan show, it was like, man, I think I can actually work through most of the stuff, yeah. which will just put me in such a... It's a bigger a, ass. Yeah. That's right. So I was like, so I was only just doing like official albums and the, you know, the odd official bootleg series thing. I wasn't going crazy trying to find all Dylan, but yeah, yeah I just, it was perfect. And, you know, I was so petty that I left out Tempest. <laughs> I just just, just yeah. went, that one you know that one I've covered, but I listened through to them and it was just like, it's just was extraordinary. It was an extraordinary few weeks just finding new favourites and yeah. you know it, feeling like I think I all my opinions on Dylan were pretty much formed, but it changed a few things. It was interesting. But and and the, and, the, and there's no other artist that you can really do this. That's with. right. Yeah. Because like, I went through all of Neil Young's records yeah. a couple of years ago. And I, I realized, like, oh, Are You Passionate has some great songs on it. Yeah, yeah. But it's just because I hadn't heard it. That's right. Yeah, you know? yeah. You, um, you don't want to revisit it massively since you've, you've ticked it off again, yeah, basically. Well, I, I know it's good. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, like, when I listened to Tonight's the Night again, or On the Beach again, it, it, it just reaffirms, you know, that, yeah. it's, that it's good. Yeah. But if I listen to um, even the great Dylan records, like Blood on the Tracks or yeah. Blonde on Blonde, you have new thoughts. Something more is revealed. Yeah. And that is what, as Paul Williams talks about, um, that's what marks it as great art. There yes. is a 
there is a yeah. there is a reaction that is common to works of great art in in appreciators of Dylan. Mm, mm. Like someone said recently, well, I, I had never thought this that the song Tangled Up in Blue, which I would I would rate as a I don't know a top ten Dylan song for me, probably a top twenty, like a, a, certainly a significant song that. Um, mm. I have enjoyed hearing him do live, yeah. but I love the recorded version. And, you know, there were some other versions, blah, blah, blah. But I never really thought about how it's him, like there's an idea that the reference is him loving the Joni Mitchell album, Blue, and wanting to create a song about relationships because that's an album based on relationships. Hmm. Somehow I'd missed that. Right. And, then that. and then you hear it and you go... Well, that's fucking obvious. <laughs> See, what I thought you were going to say is that you'd missed the um, change in perspective. No, that's one of the things I noticed first. That right. that is what has compelled that you know that is a big part of what has pulled me into that song. On this is fucking compelling art, amazing mm. writing. Is yeah. suddenly we just wake up in a new tense. <laughs> you know, yeah. like halfway through. Like I don't know if I spotted that the very first time, but if I didn't, it was the second time. You know, and it's just but like the. W- the way he the way he presents it, and also in Simple Twist of Fate, um, mm. you don't really notice. No, it's, it's like um, quite a seamless change. I remember really. someone talking about uh, the, 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 there's a documentary about the making of Raging Bull, and someone seeing the film and having it mentioned to them that it's in black and white, and the person saying I hadn't really noticed, you know, that it was in black and white. You don't really notice with those songs mm. that um, the he turns to an I turns to a he, mm. you know, and when he does it live, it 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 it, it changes because he's he's circling a feeling. Yes, and 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 the traditional ways of presenting um, a, a a narrative are just tools to to get to the feeling. Yeah, yeah, you know? and that takes guts. Yeah, that 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 takes real artistic maturity and surety mm. to say I'm going to cast aside the things that listeners expect and I'm going to do because this. I'm because I'm going for something yeah. beyond them which is what he was doing I didn't realize until I recently read CP Lee's book like the night about the um, the um, the the um, the 66 tour just just how far out he was reaching you know mm. just 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 how extreme a choice each night of that concert was. What I did know was how good the music was. Mm. So with the first half of, of those concerts where he's acoustic, um, much like, because the the, um, the um, Bring It All Back Home album is interesting because the first half is electric. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. the thing that you don't expect happens first and then he gives you the salve yes. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, with the, um, but when he was doing his, um, his, his tours... I think just after Highway 61, but before Blonde and Blonde came yeah. out, doing it at the same time. What a fucking period. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I get more and more admiration for just that sliver of time. Yeah, yeah. And that's been the surprising thing about going back to him again, is like realising just how significant the achievement was. Mm-hmm. Um, when he does the, 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 um, the acoustic portion, he's not doing song to Woody and Who Killed Davy Moore, you know, mm. he's he's doing Desolation Row, you know, mm. he's, 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 he's doing even stuff like, um, um, uh, what's the, uh, Baby Blue, you know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complex song, it's a big ask for a folky audience. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, they'll listen to it because yeah. they've heard yeah, yeah. Hard Rain, you know. Yeah. They'll listen to a long song. They'll listen to Desolation Row. Mm. Um, but then to come back in with Tell Me More, which does sound like a Rolling Stones song, you know, which does sound like, does sound like a great unreleased Bob Dylan album track mm. more than anything. Mm. Um, he was really pushing it out. The fucking sound of Ballad of a Thin Man on those recordings from the '66 yeah. tour. Yeah. It it does sound like an assault, but it also sounds very well wrought. Like everything is worked out. The guy knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's telling those guys to do. Yeah. And most people around him don't know that. And this is you know aren't on board with him rather. Mm-hmm. And this is at a time where he's playing to very small venues. You know, they're not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. These aren't stadium gigs. Yeah. This is, like... Uh, th- th- there's a picture in the C.P. Lee book of the Free Trade Hall in Manchester. It's not very big. Mm. The Royal Albert Hall is not huge. Yeah, yeah. You know? They, they're they big in the public consciousness. Yeah, yeah. But they are individual gigs. And C.P. Lee talks about... Um, he says, like, you, you wouldn't dream of, like, travelling to Liverpool to see the gig and follow him around the country. You just wait till the, the show comes to you. So every night he's reinventing himself, you know, mm. uh, or, or he's doing the show again. Mm. He's preparing for the fight in Dublin. He's preparing for the fight in London. He's bringing the fight to them in Manchester. It's, 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 it's an extraordinary thing that we're lucky to have a document of, mm. you know, because mm. we don't have a document of a lot of stuff that came, that came before which was, you know, we, we, we don't know what it was like to hear um, The Rite of Spring. Yeah. We don't know what that was like, but yeah. we can see footage of, you know, in Eat the Dog, where it now takes from, mm. and listen to the officially released, you know, Bootleg Series Volume 4 mm. um, of the Free Trade Hall concert. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, which is really something, right? Like, it's, as you say, like, there's it's this moment in, in cultural history and musical history combined. Yeah. you know basically and i was thinking like you know you sort of touched on it earlier but um and you you've sort of made reference to it but we haven't overtly discussed it that you know one of the things that always comes up with dylan is lyrics of course but uh, do you think he has been obviously a dylan fan knows this and loves it but do you think he it has been forgotten or underrepresented how Important. I mean, you've you, you've referenced this quite a lot, but how important his understanding of music is, and 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 that he's basically a band leader or a musical director for his own show now, isn't he? And that the music component in his songs is, if not as important as the lyrics, but he understands this marriage of mm. lyrics to music because he is constantly thinking of ways for. And you know, I was thinking about how. Even in, um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Lily Rosemary and Jack of Hearts. Like, I, I feel like that's the, the sore thumb of, of Blood on the Tracks. It doesn't seem to fit, does it? Doesn't, yeah, yeah. It's, that's I right. I think it's a good song. But it yeah, well, I think, that, think that's the thing. I can enjoy it when I listen to it, but I don't always want to hear it in the, it, it always sticks out on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's got this harmonica bit, and it's like he starts playing in the wrong key. Yeah. And then he switches, and there's actually a break. And then he starts up again, and that is him recognizing I'm in the wrong key. I'll play it here, but that's a finished recording. Like he made yeah. the decision, and it to, sounds good. And it sounds good. Yeah. Like it, so, he made the decision listening to it back. No, no, I like that. <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. because that's jarring or whatever, and a, you know that's that's surprising. Mm. And there, so you know, 
there's technical facility too. Like he's a much better guitar player than a lot of people have given credit for or has been. And, you know, an and all-round musician. But also just this idea of... Um, of going by feel, I think he does that really well. Mm. Going by feel and deciding, you know, these are the th- and yeah, and reusing techniques like you can draw a line between the ominous piano chords on Ballad of a Thin Man and the ominous organ that starts Lovesick. Yeah, you know, and they're not the same song. Yeah. And and ain't talking. Yeah, beyond that. Yeah, like yeah. That same sort of. And feel. none of them are the same song. And yeah. he sometimes does write oh, the same and song. Even but even like the, the 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 whole feel of John Wesley Harding. Yeah. Has that has that sort of yeah. monochrome. Yes. Um, blasted Heath. Yes. Type yes. Thing, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And 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 you know, sometimes he will write the same song, and he'll do that on purpose. You know, this works. Uh, this set yeah. of, this set of chords is fine to use again. This framework. Yeah, is how I want to put my point across. But then, well, in, any time a, a new um, book league series comes out, we see that you know how that works. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, then he will use these musical techniques to to connect dots between songs, and they're different songs, you know. But yeah. like you know, you're talking about the blood on the track stuff. Another song on there that always blows me away is "You're a Big Girl." Now, I just think that's mm. just a a beautiful piece of music. It's quite delicate. Yeah. Like the musical arrangement of that is quite is quite sophisticated and delicate for this beautiful lyric, and then I realise you know, you know I'm the same. I just just like a woman isn't really actually a for all the connection people have to that song. That's not one of his well known songs that I particularly love that much. Mm. But there's an argument being made that there are links between "You're a Big Girl Now" and "Just Like a Woman." And that he's actually talking to the same. Well, I see them, and it's yeah, and it's the misogyny. Yes, it's just that um, he's wrapped his fist in a tea towel for the the later one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and inspired by the same woman, no doubt. Yeah, you know, time frame wise, um, yeah. his, his first oh, wife. Oh, there's that great bit which is excerpted from uh, the Ronaldo and Clara stuff. This in the Scorsese thing as well, where it's him talking to um, Joan Baez. Mm. Um, where Bias says you you went away and got married. Oh, no, Dylan says you went and got married without me, and she mm. says, "Well, you did it first. And he said, "Yeah, but I married the woman I loved." Um, this is actually probably the, the the closest Dylan gets to being a good actor mm. is when he's badly acting as himself, <laughs> um, because he's sort of a, 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 aware of what he's because he is technically acting, you mm. know, in Ronaldo and Clara. He's putting himself out there as a version of himself. Mm. Um, there's a photo sorry this is really tangential there's a photo in the Sam Shepard Rolling Thunder logbook yeah. of him looking at Sarah um, in profile again that famous profile mm. um, and his face seems relaxed I remember showing this to um, an ex-girlfriend of mine and she was shocked because I said look at this picture she was shocked because it was like you can see that he is regarding someone else with more affection than he regards yes, himself. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. with regard to that. And also, I can't remember the song. I don't know if it's Silvio, but there is a recording of on, that I saw on YouTube of him and Joan and, and um, Patti Smith mm-hmm. in, hmm, don't know if it's 95? Yeah, it might be 1995. Doing Dark Eyes? It might be Dark Eyes, but there's there's a way he looks at her on the stage and it is just it's quite amazing it's just absolute you know as i don't believe it's at all sexual yeah it's or objectifying it's just 
absolute admiration. Yeah. Like you are incredible. Mm. And he and it's really moving to see because it's just like, well, that's got to be the goldest of gold stars you could get. Like yeah. Bob Dylan's approval on that level kind of thing. I wonder if he recorded the John Lennon song because he saw the footage of him in the taxi cab with Lennon again and went like, I better make it up to this guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. When you see Dylan, and that's and that's why it was also great in that Journey Mitchell bit in the Rolling Thunder thing, where he is playing a subservient role to somebody. Mm, mm. Because you just don't see it. Because in his adult life, he's never had to do it. No. You know, um, it's just not in his experience to be lesser than anyone else. Well, also, it's a technique to get people to leave you alone. Yeah. There's that. So but you I know, also think that he's he's also fine with staring someone down. Yeah, yeah. You know? But that's a power thing of being, you know, of being highest on the mountain. So, like, I, I don't know if you've caught up with um, um, Ricky Lee Jones talking to Mark Manning. I haven't heard that yet, It's no. good. And there's a bit in it where, you know, he, he kind of, he kind of mentions Tom Waits quite a few times until she as finally he as he yeah. would until she finally you know and she's good she's good about it but she finally sort of agrees to talk about him a bit and he eventually finds his way in because he starts sort of going oh so you know when you're hanging around there that's when you got to know you know Chucky mm. and blah 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 as well and she's talking about what deeply unpleasant guys they are and how they thought they were better than everyone and they weren't kind to anyone and how you know she was the only woman around and that's why they sort of paid her some interest and she was mm. interested in who they were and they some days they treated her like shit and sometimes they didn't and then she yeah. says um, Chucky Vice says, said told her that um, you know, she said something about Tom being mean and he said to her um, Tom says you have to be mean to people um, like that uh, you know fans and stuff and people interested in what you're doing because if you're not they won't go away right you know and that yeah. was his whole thing like it might be a bit cruel but otherwise they'll stay and that's when that things get weird so it's better to put it so it's just this a complete acknowledgement of a defense yeah like i'm just gonna be a cunt to you i'm just gonna be an asshole mm. so you'll fucking leave me alone mm. and i think that's a dylan a thing too yeah, yeah uh, well, several uh, people but i think that's absolutely been a thing that he's put into place well i think he probably cemented it um, yeah. with you know in that sort of don't look back yeah era. absolutely also because he was on his own yeah. Now, before him, you have Sinatra is on his own, sure, but he's surrounded by a band, yeah, and he's yeah. surrounded by the mob yeah. who protect him. You have Presley, yeah. uh, you know, who's you know bigger initially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and um, but he is he is protected and he is coddled Memphis and he is Mafia taken and, away. Yeah. yeah. Well, Memphis Mafia later, later, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, but he's but, always got a gang helping him out. Well, he, when he goes and joins the army, yeah. there's, there's the, as. Um, as has been pointed out, there was no blueprint for a rock and roll star. Yeah. So, you know, and Elvis really fucked it up. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the, the colonel fucked it up, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, But um, when when Dylan came along, there's the Beatles, who are a gang. Yeah, yeah. There's the Stones, they are a gang. Yeah. You know, and they have management, and they... Um, um, but Dylan has a very bullish manager, mm. you know, in that period, and Albert Grossman, mm. but can't really... Um, uh, he, he doesn't have the facility to handle everything at once I think mm. although he tries to and is successful at appearing like he is mm, mm. from sort of 64 to 66 mm. it, um, it's like he's able to handle everything you know 
a, 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 a time during which he puts out four or five albums and also writes Tarantula, romances Edie Sedgwick, gets married, you mm-hmm. know. Mm. Um, it's it's too much for anyone. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that the... Um, uh, the and it's that thing where it's like, it doesn't matter whether Tarantula's good or not. It's that he was able to do it is what's actually important about it. You know, or, it's it's not good. No, no, I know that. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I, that was not me about to say. Here's why it's great. Right. It's mental, but but no, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's stupid that he had to write it. Yeah, you know, because it is um, a bit. But it's also like, it's still like, uh, you know, and and maybe it's only ever had bad influence in the world too. You could, you might argue, but yeah. like, it's just that interesting thing that it. It's liberated, you know. I always think with Dylan, he kind of liberated the role of singing, didn't he? he? Kind of, he kind of, you know. I don't think he's a bad singer at all. But for those who do, not only are they not listening to him correctly, but um, they're shortchanging the fact that before him, you kind of had to sound like Sinatra or Presley, you know. And well, he, he, Sinatra, Sinatra, and Presley, and also Crosby, and yeah, yeah, did change the way that we thought about singing as well. Sure. Um, and so I think it's but he what you, I mean is just like you know just no but before him you had to be a in a band or you had to be a songwriter you couldn't be a songwriter and a singer you know you might be a middling performer that wrote really good songs oh, right, like right, a JD right. Souther or someone like yeah. that but he you know was able to do both yeah and so it became he sort of changed the template that, for everyone sort of um, inadvertently yeah because then it becomes like you're not legitimate unless you write your own song. That's right. Because yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, it didn't that, used to be that at all. Yeah, because the, the, the first Beatles and Stones records, yeah. like the very first Dylan record, yeah. is, you know, the, largely covers. That's right. They're business cards. This is, you know, yeah. like us on Facebook. <laughs> you know, it's they're basically that yeah. um, for that era. And they're like, these are our influences. These are the things we like. This is our record collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, but he, and, and, in promoting the role of the songwriter to singer-songwriter, he liberates singing, so you get to sound like whoever you want to sound yeah. like, is what I mean. And this is this this thing that I really can't stand, is people say, um, you know, um, Dylan's a great songwriter, he should never have sung his own <laughs> yeah, songs. Yeah. It's like, he, he has one of the most distinctive and expressive voices. Yeah. Um, you know, for 60 years now in, in, in popular music, mm. the fact that, you know, the birds can harmonise, you know, or the, you know, the, the, the turtles can do a nice version, mm. or Sonny and Cher can do a nice mm. version mm. Um, of a watertight, well-put-together track yeah. um, should not, you know, diminish the fact that Dylan is a great singer. Yeah. But it comes back to that idea of what I was saying before, about he's kind of not really a mainstream artist. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. at the time, mainstream singers didn't sound like that. Even yeah. mainstream folk singers didn't sound like that. Mm. Peter, Paul and Mary had to break his songs on a national, you know, yeah, American yeah. national. Yeah, audience. yeah. And, and Joan Baez is going into that for him massively. Yeah. You know, yeah. massively. And, and as well as covering him too. But, mm-hmm. you know, basically going into bat and saying, hear this guy out. Yeah. You know, I think he's good <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that he um, ended up sort of, you know, siding with her. Yes. I'm glad that sort of all of um, all, all of the trouble that got raised 
from him leaving that folk movement yeah got sort of you know the all the beefs got squashed yeah 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 know, totally with Seeger and yeah and and with um with Baez you know mm-hmm. um so is there anything else we want to I mean we, you know we can talk about so much but is there anything else we want to put across that we haven't there's too, well, there's, there's too much isn't there yeah, I mean there's a, 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 and, and we haven't really even quoted lyrics yeah very, yeah very well very i kind of like that i was gonna say to you you know what's your favorite couple of phrases in a song or something but there are so trying many to, just even just trying to do that even weaker songs of hers they have a knockout phrase yeah. even some of the weaker songs are saved. as i was walking over today i i nearly teared up mm. i was listening to to rough and rowdy ways mm. um when he says um my heart's a river a river that sings it just takes me a while to recognize things it it fucking just mm. it just hits. So we'll go back to your hard. you know your favorite harmonica solo like Shooting Star. Yeah. You write that down and you could laugh at how he's maybe taking the piss out of cheap rhymes, but you, oh, you, know, you, you, know, you, you process it as a lyric or and and hear him sing it and phrase it and it's beautiful. You know the thing he says about um, words that rhyme. He says words that rhyme all mean the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. What what's any of this about? Like, why are we talking about him? Yeah, you know, the guy's about. To, the reason we're talking about him, I think, yeah, is because he's about to turn eighty. Yeah, and and the fear is he turns eighty tomorrow. Yeah, and the fear is, I think, that there won't be another big birthday for him. Yeah, um, and for someone who has been such a constant and such an an individual, um, and such a, I, I think I, I I've I've found great. Um, I've hidden in Dylan songs. Mm. Nick Cave talks about hiding songs, you know, and Baby Blue is one of them mm. that, for, for him. Um, when I listen to Dylan, I find a like there's always a place that I can go into with him, and it's not just music I like because I love a lot of music, mm. but Dylan's the person who has meant the most to me, um, who I have not met. You know, mm. out, of, out of everyone in the world, he is the one person who means, who legitimately means something to me. And it's not even him. Mm. It's just his work. It's just mm. what he has put into the world for us. Mm. More than, you know, more than, um, more than anyone else. I, I, I can't think of anyone else. I love Lou Reed. I love Leonard Cohen. I love mm. Joni Mitchell. Mm. I, 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 I love I love Tom Waits and David Bowie. I mm. love what they have done. I love Iggy Pop. Mm. You know, but but there's nothing. No, I feel I feel very much the same way. Like I've Prince often, even. Yeah, there's, I've, there's nothing. I've often said to people that you know when people, people you know people will often ask me, well, what's your all-time favorite artist? And it's kind of like the. You know, I love the Beatles. They're really important, and I love them. And I go in and out of listening to them, but I love them. And I feel that way about all sorts of things. Miles Davis and John Coltrane and, and all of the names that you've just named. But the two artists that I think about the most are Prince and Bob Dylan in terms of the impact that they've had on me. Absolutely. And it's and, and it's Dylan first because just, it just spreads wider. Prince is kind of like the pop star within that that also went wide and weird and so forth but he was very much somehow in the mainstream 
It's kind of nuts that he was. It is weird. It when, is. when you look at some of his melodies and things, yeah. and what he was able to get away with on yeah. a on a like a a, a major label mm. in the eighties, mm. it's, mm. it's, it's amazing that he was able to you know, totally. Yeah. And the and the um, auteur kind of attitude, you know, yeah. and the, is is kind of crazy. But because we only get around the world in a day and purple rain because someone said okay. Yeah, yeah, know? and you can't imagine them doing that for just about anyone else. No. And but you know, I always go back to that. Is it? It's in some music documentary. Where Robbie Robertson says, um, "Dylan was the guy standing the highest on the mountain, shining the torch, kind of thing." You know, we just looked at him and went, "You know, he's he's doing what we want to do better than anyone else." Mm-hmm. And I just, I always sort of think about the how you can interpret that, but how how true that is for so many people in the world. You know, yeah. so many amateur songwriters that never make it to recording picked up the guitar because of Dylan. Yeah. So many of the greats that, you, you know, that you've mentioned that in, and indirectly mentioned that he references on his radio show that he knows he directly inspired. And the, the whole, the fact that they still use the tagline, the new, the new Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much now, but they do. And, you know... In terms of a significant next birthday for him, not only might there not be one, but there also won't be one where people will care. You know, if he... If, if, we don't know that. We're we don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know what he's going to do next. I mean, he's probably going to put out a new album and release Chronicles 2 um, <laughs> very soon and then start touring everywhere again when borders open yeah. up. But, no, but... Just the hotel what beds. I, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but what I mean, though, is, you know, you are getting a generation of people through now who, who don't have... And I'm not saying this to set up that they're wrong, but they just don't have. I think it's incredibly liberating for them, freeing. And, and I'm not trying to sound patronising, but but the work of the Beatles and you know yeah. Dylan and stuff, it just doesn't factor into their world, and they don't need no, to. Don't follow the. And I think that, I think yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that's great. Whereas I think you you know you and I and lots of people older than us and, and some younger than us but you know I have somewhat wrestled with that almost the idea that you want to understand these people and their place in the world and 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 what what's come from them well that's certainly how I feel I kind of yeah. and 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 to your point you know yeah if uh, why are we talking about them it's because we're still trying to understand them yeah. there's so much stuff to get through I'm um completely gobsmacked at the amount of unreleased quality material there is because for most people when you hear an album has extra cuts yeah. or they're going to release the outtakes yeah. it's usually shit that, um, but with him that's not the case no man that, the, um, the Telltale Signs book yeah, series yeah. thing that was obscenely good yeah like the stuff on that yeah totally just and I think again yeah. like things like that probably started for me they they made more sense to me and they meant more than, you know, records like Love and Theft in Modern Times, you know? Like, you know, you hear that and you just go, well, there's all this stuff. Yeah. And there's even more. I mean, you go onto YouTube and find some three-hour supercut compilation of just audio of different versions from the shitty yeah. albums and they're, yeah, really, yeah. and they're really good. And, be, and because some of that stuff isn't, like, officially released or whatever yeah. or it's, like, semi-obscure, yeah. like, you won't necessarily pay you know attention and then suddenly like man I remember like two years ago I was just fucking cut down by Huck's tune yeah came on and it was just yeah this is this is one sort of obscure song that he did for a soundtrack to a bad movie yeah yeah, you know and and it just fucking slays you yeah 
it's it's there if you look for it it's there and you know it's probably not only um in those 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 um great outtakes and things it's probably also there in like it might be there in something like fucking emotionally yours yeah i i don't know i don't agree with the people like clinton halen who come down very hard and pass judgment on dylan because there is always something there there is mm. always somewhere else that, that 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 a song can can take you and i'm finding that more and more you know as i as i grow older yeah, yeah. and as i realize how old i am compared with where he was yeah, yeah. you know and and seeing him, the stuff he's putting out now, where we are going, where we, yeah. are, where we are all going. Well, I, yeah. I had this thing, and I think it's actually, I think it's like the second to last poem in my book. It's called Dylan wrote Infidels when he was 42. You know? And I, that really fucking started affecting me because I've been past that number. You know? So when I was arriving at that number and coincidentally you know I was listening to Dylan and then I was arriving at that number of age myself mm. and I was listening to lots of Dylan and I was listening to Infidels again and somehow I probably just looked it up on Wikipedia or whatever and started looking at the dates and stuff and and then I kind of it kind of resonated that that's how old he was and so I wrote this thing about it and, and specifically about Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight and how what a extraordinary song that is like Shooting Star and Emotionally Yours those sorts of songs that are quite simple, mm-hmm. almost naive, a little make bit, a little bit love. cheesy. Yeah. yeah, make you feel my love is another one. A little bit cheesy, perhaps. And but you know he has this deep love for balladry, not yeah. just folk balladry. Yeah. But you know again you get that from the radio show particularly. That, yeah. You know he's all about that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that just massively affected me thinking about that. Going, you know, um, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> if you know if he could do this then and he'd already made yeah. you know never mind that he'd changed the world but he'd you know was you know made 15 or whatever albums 20 albums whatever it was and you know there he was at just this random midpoint in his career and if you just isolate that and go he was that age when he did that and you listen to it you listen to it in a whole different way to when you're you know I probably first heard that record properly when I was 13 or something mm-hmm. and liked it then and spent my teenage years enjoying that record um but it just meant a whole lot more to me in that moment you know it was just mm. like holy fuck <laughs> it's quite deep it was silly it's my yeah. little thing but you know and maybe it doesn't fully translate to anyone else but it affected me well th- that's that's the thing everyone has got yeah their um, moment like that or, yeah there is a there is a dylan moment for everyone i remember being i remember at, at, at school um the, the english teacher saying there is a poet out there for from mm. everybody mm. and I think with with Dylan because he has the music thing going as well mm. there is a Dylan moment for everyone well we could even if you need to really um, fracture off you can you can say you know all along the watchtower is one of Jimi Hendrix's absolute finest moments yeah and essentially Dylan created that for him you know obviously he he did the work and made yeah. his thing but that that might be someone someone who really can't get Dylan that might actually be by yeah. default their Dylan moment and Hendrix like heard that and went we have got to cover this yes like he immediately heard it and, yeah. and apparently like um, the, the, the dudes in the band were like I, really? <laughs> yeah because yeah. Yeah. it's it's yeah. John Wesley Harding Elton yeah. track yeah. you know um, but he saw what was what was in there 
See, what, Hendrix has a fantastic cover of um, "Can You Please Crawl Out Your Window" as mm, well. Mm. Really suits his like drawling mm. voice mm. and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, but there there are all these there are all these entry points. Like for Hendrix, mm. it was various points, you know. But That's it, was, right. it was that yeah. as well. Um, and I think that if you've if 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 you're someone who's not really aware of um, the the whole Dylan oeuvre, you know. It's it's very difficult not to get moved by the instrumental stuff on Pat Garrett. Yeah, you know it's 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 very difficult not to feel the energy behind changing of the guards. It's very difficult not to get swept up in knocking on heaven's door mm. just as a fucking chord progression. Yeah, you know it's just there is a there is a way in for yeah. There's a cover version. There's a cover version yeah. for everyone. You know I'm the same. I don't like that idea that he should write the songs and not sing them, but. But there is a cover version out there for everyone, if, if not an original track. You know, you, you hear a cover yeah. version by someone... I'm, I'm loath to co-sign that. No, no, I get I, it. I, I get want it. them to go to the source. I get but, it. But what I was what I was going to say was, you, nine times out of ten when you hear a song, and you might not even know it at first, and then you go, oh, that's a Dylan song. You want to hear the original. You know, you want to hear the original. Of course, I, yeah. I, I, I wonder how many Adele listeners... You know heard yeah. her version of "To Make You Feel My Love," which was also a Billy Joel song yeah. <laughs> before, um, and, and sounds more like both of them than it does a Dylan. That's song, right. Really. That's right. That's yeah. why it was this sort of like thing he discarded almost. He kind of it's, did, but it's on "Time Out of Mind," yeah. which won a Grammy. Yeah, you know, but um, it's crazy. But it's I guess I guess because Billy Joel picked it up straight away. Eh, like yeah. it was on his whatever Greatest Hits Volume Three or whatever it was, the new song on that. I think. Yeah, yeah. He picked it up straight away and kind of. It, it sort of developed this weird own life mm. but yeah but, uh, you go back to the basement tapes and, and you've got like all those songs being like um, uh, you know recorded so they're copyrighted mm. and then you get the man for man versions and whatnot mm. Mm. like none of the the, 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 the those cash in covers hey it's a new Dylan song I better record it well you know mm. Cheryl Crow with Mississippi mm. even you know um, none of them reach the the, the 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 level that Dylan does even even in the case of the basement tapes with those um, very simple straightforward you know basement tape recordings mm. of the mighty Quinn and this world's mm. on fire and tears of rage mm. you know mm. isn't it amazing that you you can talk for two hours about Dylan and just mention those three songs there and that's the <laughs> we haven't mentioned them <laughs> they're like amazing songs yeah. And they only just got mentioned. Tears of Rage is, is an incredible song. Yeah. Uh, t- t- yeah. 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 I mean, that's... And that's one of those songs that, that's been covered very well, but by... Who's a, covered Tears of Rage? Lots of people have covered Tears of Rage. I mean, the, there was individual Rick Danko yeah. cover of it. I'm trying to think about it. There's, there's several covers of that I've heard that are good. Mm. You know, obviously, yeah, you, you want the source. The fucking rawness of that basement yeah. tapes recording. Yeah. It's so and it's on masterpieces. Yeah. And it was playing as I came in today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's um the levels are all out. Yeah. You know, and it just and it's just the um the weirdness of the lyrics and mm. oh man, it's great. So it's like we didn't really know how to start this conversation, we don't know how to finish it. Which I think well, is Do you know why? It's because it's, it's because it's because of conversation that yeah. You know, it has no start and has no finish. Yeah. It will it will go on forever. There is always something to talk about. Well, you, you and I have been having this conversation over direct messages on Twitter for years. Yeah. On and off. Oh, and in person. And in person. And, yeah. And That's right. And it will keep going until, you know, hopefully we'll both reach 80. 
and we'll and, and, and it'll and it'll keep going mm. and we'll talk about that second volume of chronicles and those three fantastic quickly released records <laughs> yeah, that followed yeah. <laughs> rough and rowdy ways you know yeah um but yeah at, at any point um people around the world are talking about how this person has influenced their lives and i had thought you know do people really need to hear from mm, mm. um from you know two straight white guys sitting in a you know book lined room talking about Dylan um and the the answer is really well they can't do anyway yeah that's <laughs> you know? right it's, yeah. it's 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 no i had the it's same everywhere, thought everywhere yeah. you know yeah i had the same thought and and, and it, it 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 catapults that other stuff it it it, it it's, it's it's a it's just yeah yeah, it's bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> well, will we? We said we said we'll listen to Rough and Rowdy yeah, Ways yeah, yeah, if yeah. you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll leave the recording there, but we'll we'll say happy 80th, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for everything. There's too much to thank you for. Oh, well, I love you, pretty baby. You're the only love I've ever known. Just as long as you stay with me. The whole world is my throne Beyond here lies nothing Nothing we could call our own While I'm moving after midnight Down boulevards of broken cars Don't know what I'd do without it Without this love that we call our Beyond here lies nothing Nothing but love